tuned into episode 19 of the Comics Pals podcast. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Forget Old Man Logan. Stay tuned for a special adaption of Old Man Kale, only here on the Comics Pals. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> so would, would that be a show about Kale in the future or Kale now? Uh, probably Kale from the future interacting with Kale now, and there's no difference. <laughs> That's probably not too far off, actually. So, so Kale, so old man. All right, so here's what happens: Kale dies, right, and then old man Kale comes to our universe and replaces him. And, and um, nobody can tell the difference. <laughs> he just wears cardigans instead. Oh, you're uh, you're walking, you're walking around with a cane now, huh? Is that uh, is that what the hipsters are doing? <laughs> I need it for my back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, obviously, uh, Logan has released, and we're all very excited about that. Two of us haven't seen it, but we will be having an in-depth discussion about that film a little later on. Before we get into the meat of this thing, let's talk a little bit about where you can find us. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is iTunes, because... We are a five-star rated podcast on iTunes, and it is so sweet to be able to say that. So check us out on there. Leave us that sweet uh, rating, whether it's a five or a one, you know, whatever works. Don't fuck uh, up our ratings, no! But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's keep the streak going, ideally. But hey, if you hate what we do, you know, if you hate that fact that Kale's an old man, uh, or that Phil is Phil, then, uh, you know, <laughs> Whoa! let us know. You know, if and 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 you know, if if, the, if those things bother you enough, then I might have to make an executive decision. You know, like whoa, if like if, fi- if it's like just, firing Phil, yeah, <laughs> it might have to happen. Whoa, wow, man, there's a lot of hostility in the beginning of this episode. I just wanted to talk about <laughs> comics with my pals. I'm the face that runs the place, <laughs> and what a sweet face it is. You're a face, uh, all right. So <laughs> I was told I was haggard this morning. <laughs> Who said that? Haggard. <laughs> I did. He got he he gets on the call this morning. We usually get on the call about an hour before the show starts, just to like kind of shoot the shit. And Phil just looks like like the crypt keeper. I mean, I don't know. Like, what other <laughs> way can I put it? <laughs> wow. Eyes all okay. Sunken in. <laughs> So maybe we can maybe we can tweet out a picture of Phil and let let people uh, judge for themselves. Do it, Phil, like the and then put keeper. it side by side with the Crypt Keeper. And I- <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, you could the way you could find this picture when we do post it is by hitting us up on Twitter or Instagram at the Comics Pals and checking us out on there. Definitely do follow us. You can find all of our odd pictures of phil and if you could see what he's doing right now uh you would definitely want to go to the twitter page to see this uh we're also on facebook at the comics pals and you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com whether you've got a random question for us or you want to comment on the show or you know tell us about who's your favorite or your least favorite all that stuff you can do at the comics pals at gmail.com so hit us up so what have we been reading this week, guys? Uh, 
Pete, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I didn't have too much time to read this week, uh, but I did get a chance to read the first issue of Tom King's Vision, which uh, we're going to be talking about in our Tom King episode coming up. So, um, but all you guys have have read at least the first issue, right? I mean, like, you guys yeah, all read yeah, the... we, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah. I mean, it's really good. Uh, I mean, I I really liked the pacing of it. Like, usually when I say that, I mean that something has even pacing throughout. And this first issue definitely didn't, but I love that about it. It's like so, I don't know, kind of like quiet and like simple and suburban in the beginning. And like the contrast by where it ends is has definitely got me excited to go back to it. And um, I didn't have a lot of time to read this week because there was a ton of video games that came out. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn. The Nintendo Switch just came out yesterday and I'm playing uh, the new Legend of Zelda. But um, I'm so into where issue one left off on Vision. I'm going to go finish the first volume after the show before I go play video games. So that should speak to how, how excited I am to finish it. <laughs> so real quick, what are your initial impressions about the Switch? Um, so far, I, I really like it. Uh, it's got a really nice build quality. Um, it's definitely like the highest quality machine that Nintendo's ever built, I think, in terms of just how it feels. Um, really liking the pro controller. Uh, the OS is really nice and simple. I had a little bit of trouble getting online with it. Um, with, because of some of like the specifics of Nintendo's janky new Nintendo account system. So that's kind of been my, was my biggest complaint was I spent like an hour that I wanted to play, spend playing Zelda trying to set the thing up. Um, but once everything was all set, um, like the, the transition between like holding it in your hands and sliding it in the dock and having it on the big screen is like insanely quick. And, um, like last night I played Zelda for like two or three hours. I was ready to get in bed, but I didn't want to stop playing. So I picked it up, went in the bedroom, started playing it that way. And, um, once my hands kind of adjusted to the new control scheme, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty seamless. So, um, definitely, I'm excited to spend more time with it today. I'll, I'll definitely have more to say next week, I think. And when is when, when can we expect a video from you on your YouTube page? Uh, definitely this upcoming week. Uh, we're going to be doing... Actually, we're going to be doing a live episode of um, the Slackcast. It will have already been up by the time you guys are listening to this. We did it on Sunday, this past Sunday now. Um, so you can go watch that on our YouTube channel. Every episode gets you know archived. Anything we do live gets archived anyway. Um and then uh, we're going to be doing like a whole week's worth of Nintendo Switch content. So we're doing a Let's Play of uh, Snipper Clips, which is um, an eShop like party game that came out with the with the system. Uh, I'm going to be doing a live stream of Legend of Zelda at some point. Um, so we're, we're going to have a ton of stuff going on this week. So definitely if you're interested in seeing some Switch content, come follow me on Twitter at loud underscore Pete or uh, go follow Slack and Slash, which is my YouTube channel. Um, it's YouTube.com slash Slack and Slash or follow us on Twitter, any of that stuff. And uh, you'll get updates there. Awesome. Marco, what did you get to read this week? Um, This week, I was finishing up the rest of that big stack I got like a week or two back. And I finished the last three trades of uh, Swamp Thing. And uh, written by Grant Morrison, Mark Millar, drawn by Phil Hester and Kim DeMolder. And... It was all right. It was uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I. I know the history uh, of the character pretty well. Wait, Marco, you like Swamp Thing? Um, not really. You know, <laughs> it was fine. I mean, like, I'm not really into superhero books. Yeah, you know, it's it's whatever. I'll read. Uh, 
I go pick up an owl man or Booker, whatever they're called. <laughs> owl man. Or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I remember I mentioned to you guys in the in the group chat that essentially the it was kind of the book was kind of derivative. I know that I had brought that up uh, and asked Phil that about about specifically about the four first four issues of Grant Morrison, and I, I think you kind of like confirmed that yeah he was um i think he admitted to like it not being wholly original or something yeah yeah like i don't think he puts it up on a pedestal i could be wrong but i i, I seem to remember him saying something to that effect yeah um it, it was pretty derivative it, it sort of took from some of the, the more earlier more stuff and tried to rework it and make it all trippy and uh drug related um so that was an interesting spin but for me what kind of turned me away from the book was the it was Mark Millar's run. It was basically a thirty issue long, just epic run about Swamp Thing trying to become the elemental of the entire world versus just the Earth elemental. And it felt like he was trying to incorporate a whole bunch of new characters and weird stories that aren't necessarily swamp thing like they didn't focus on swamp thing they tried to he tried to tell different kind of stories which i appreciated the attempt but i didn't i didn't get it it wasn't it wasn't really to the story's benefit like they introduced some weird character Nightmaster. i don't know if he's an actual character or just one that um mark millar made the up night master uh yeah. I've, I've i mean <laughs> i've never heard of him darkly duck i don't i don't know sounds like me on a friday night but there you go <laughs> <laughs> that's what phil calls me <laughs> <laughs> oh he is yeah he's he's a uh denny o'neill created character from 1969 the best year ever because it ends in 69 <laughs> we also went nice. to the moon that year pretty cool we did <laughs> hell yeah we did <laughs> in 1969 we went to the moon and the night master was created of course good year good year <laughs> yeah we defeated communists and invented the Nightmaster. America <laughs> was born. <laughs> Carry on, Marco. Um, no, that was pretty much it. I um, didn't really read much of anything else, and yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily recommend the book. It's not. I mean, it, it's part of Swamp Thing's canon, so I, I wanted to finish the story. But other than really being like, oh, you know, you need to read this book. Um, it's it was whatever, you know? Yeah. So, I have a question. How much Swamp Thing do you have left to read before you've read everything? That's a good question. I have to finish the fourth volume, written by Andy Diggle, and I forget who it's drawn by. But uh, other than that, I have read literally uh, everything. Uh, every single issue and every volume that they've put out so far. Wow. Uh, Mark, how was your fanzine, Marco? Oh, dude, thanks for reminding me. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I I backed a uh, a fanzine specifically for Swamp Thing um, by a guy. Uh, he runs a website called The Roots of the Swamp Thing, which is essentially his big collection of Swamp Thing memorabilia, toys, comics. He has a large collection, and he's a Guinness World Record holder for specifically that, um, all that stuff and all that content. And he put together this Kickstarter, and essentially it's a magazine that has a bunch of interviews with uh, writers like <clears throat> Bernie Wrightson, 
Nancy Collins has from uh, has images from Bernie Ranson again from uh, Phil Hester, a bunch of art in there, a bunch of analysis as well from certain comic scholars and pop culture scholars. Uh, it's it's a really cool book. Uh, I'm about uh, I only read about the first couple pages, but it's it's a nice as a fan. It's a really nice just um, dive deeper, kind of pull the curtains back a little bit. And uh, oh, and I got a really sweet um, yeah. Uh, that's what is it? that's membership exactly, card. That's exactly what Marco needed was a a card to show his fandom for the the Swamp Thing. <laughs> you know, Marco. Good for you. Good for you, Marco. I'm proud of you, bud. Good for you. Thanks, guys. Kale, how was Riverdale this week? Uh, <laughs> I fucking hate this already. <laughs> this. Oh, all right, go on. All right, it's time for the Riverdale <laughs> review with Kale Ward. Uh, so, I'm still not watching it, but I am still uh, reading the updates. <laughs> and the uh, the reviews of the show. Um, apparently this week, Jughead and Betty share a kiss, and that's weird. Isn't Ooh, Jughead scandalous! N- not Maybe he's not Riverdale. He's not yet. Okay. Um, he's exploring yeah. asexuality. Well, yeah. So one of the things that Cole Sprouse has said is that it's that aspect of the character is really important to him. Uh, but it's just not something they can work into the show just yet. So, assuming it gets a second season, and hopefully it doesn't, they will... Uh... <laughs> Kale, don't act like there wouldn't be a huge void in your life if there wasn't... if you didn't have Riverdale. Oh, uh, that does remind me. I did get a shout-out uh, from one of my friends about the show this week uh, from uh, James McMahon says uh riverdale is my garbage it's flawed but man i'm digging it even archie is slowly redeeming himself nice sean did you watch it yet i haven't watched it yet sean we gotta watch it we just gotta gotta sit down on skype together and start it at the same time (laughs) i'm with that but what what i don't like in the history of my life right i've never heard of somebody who doesn't like a show but will read the reviews every (laughs) single week Come on, Kale. Well, C- you know, I got, I got to tell you, when I hear that, it makes me think of Matt Murphy from the Longbox Show. In that yeah, sense yeah, of yeah. like keeping up with something he doesn't like, and that just feels like Archie. You know, I don't like this, but I'm just gonna keep at it anyway because Archie is basically purgatory. <laughs> but I think Matt actually likes it, though. He likes the pain of it. Yeah, I Matt know, does. but that's a type of thing he would do, though. He likes the you. pain. Yes. Oh, because he's a masochist. <laughs> All right, He's gonna Kale, appreciate the shout out. What what did you read other than the review of Riverdale? Uh that's the only thing I've had time for this week, so I'm only making time for Riverdale reviews <laughs> in my life right now. So Wait, wait Kale, okay. real quick. Since since you're appreciating them so much, whose reviews do you read? It's uh the Comics Alliance ones with uh Chris Sims and I think her um, Ellie Pyle, that feels wrong. I'm going to look it up. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so while you do that, uh, I will talk about what I read this week, and you can feel free to interrupt me because you guys do it anyway. Because we all know we will. Exactly. So I read a I'm lot. Sorry, interrupt who? 
Yeah, there it is. There it <laughs> is. You shouldn't have gave us the end, man. We were going to do yeah. it anyway. But <laughs> uh, I read a lot this week. I I was like a month behind with my pulls, so I, I dropped over $100 on comics, which always feels great to do. Um, it's like a big dump. Is yeah. That, is that including the stuff you bought when you were in Tom's River? No. Oh, damn. So you saw like $200 on comics last week. <laughs> it was a big investment. Uh, so the, the book that I've kind of been really excited about lately has been The Clone Conspiracy. Uh, and that just wrapped. And it was phenomenal. One of the best single issues of a comic I've ever read. Um, and certainly, easily, one of the best endings to an event I've ever read. So Clone Conspiracies, uh, you know, Dan Slott's kind of like spider-man themed event that's going on right now uh and it's just amazing i mean all these sort of pieces have been at work for a while where you know it was revealed uh, months ago spoiler for whatever reason you're still not you don't know this but that ben riley is the one who's kind of been you know doing this whole thing where he's he's kind of playing the role of the jackal where he's got all these clones and everything but um oh i didn't know that yeah is he that one is he that Uh, one character i don't uh, i don't know He's the Scarlet Spider. Yeah, it's yes, the Scarlet, Scarlet Spider, Spider Peter's that one character I don't know. It's that Marco, that's, that's, Marco, that's yep. literally every character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, the, that's the, exactly the, who it is. The Nightmaster. <laughs> <laughs> ben Riley is the Nightmaster. Wait, is Ben Riley the Nightmaster? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Only on the Comics Pal. Guys, guys, can can we officially make the Nightmaster a new running gag on the show? Can we just? Can that be a thing? Oh. No, I, I don't think Nightmaster. so. I don't like that. It's like that time we tried to make it that every time we referred to the president, we call him President Fisk, and then we immediately forgot to do it after that episode. <laughs> I actually forgot. I didn't even realize we ever agreed to do that. That's not a thing I recall. But um, so the, the 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 core of this issue is really it it centers around uh, Spider Man, Ben Riley, Gwen Stacy, and uh, Otto Octavius. Otto, you know, he had the whole superior run, all that good stuff. And now he's kind of like back to being, you know, a fat guy with four arms or with six arms. And he's in love with Anna Maria, who works with Spider-Man. But she hates him because he's grotesque and because he impersonated Peter Parker and and she fell in love with him. But he was lying the whole time. But he still loves her. So it's kind of about his his willingness to sacrifice everything to protect her from what Ben Riley's doing. It's about Gwen Stacy and Peter kind of having to make choices surrounding, you know, she's a clone. He's not, uh, she's going to die throughout this basically guaranteed. And so she's willing to kind of sacrifice herself to save him, uh, which is really cool. Um, and then ultimately the fight between Spider-Man and Ben Riley. And it's just, it's just a phenomenal story. Um, that that Dan Slott really like I was a hater for a little while with the superior stuff, but he's really won me over over the last two years, and this is the culmination of that. Sean, so, um, that that what was the issue you bought me last week when we were together? Yeah, that was Amazing Spider-Man twenty-two. Yeah, that was when we talked about it on the show, right? Yeah, and that's um, that's before or part of that event. It's during the event, yeah. It it takes place in between this issue and Clone Conspiracy Four. 
Sean, if I read this and I like something that Dan Slott did, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> we'll have to cancel the show. <laughs> if we if you well. like this, then I challenge you to buy Clone Conspiracy, the trade when it releases. Yeah, just I, if I like this issue, I will do that. If yes. that happens, if that happens, Sean, the next move is to get Kale to like Gene Gray. That's not hard. That's no. going to happen. No. Is, is that a pun about erections? Gray oh. is bay. Gray <laughs> is bay. Yes. Um, Sean, is the clones con- conspiracy? Are there all sorts of like tie-ins and stuff? Nah. Uh, the the failing I saw with uh, Spider Verse was that you had to get six different tie-in books to get the whole story. Um, and that was why I, to me, I felt that the Spider Verse kind of waffled. Um, I s- I skipped that, but go ahead. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I got the. I think I have the first. No, I have the main book. Um, and it's very thin, and and you know I I get I get the appeal of wanting to write you know thirty different Spider Men and give them their own book, but. Like why? Like why wouldn't you make you know put those things in the main book, right? Yeah. Also, I, I yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Kale. Um. Also, yes. <laughs> Wait, Kale, did you just make that? No, Kale did. Oh, Kale, you did it. You posted it. Of course, I did. So Kale, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> Phil Phil just showed us the the tweet that. That Kale made where he put a picture of Phil next to the Crypt Keeper, just like I asked. And I love you. <laughs> Definitely check that out because oh, that is hilarious. God, that is so funny. Go, please go look at that, uh, listeners. It's 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 worth it. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm with you, Kale, and I definitely like. I wish there had been a little more restraint, like at Spider Verse, because I I read. I think I'm. I read the same thing that you read, with just like the the main thing and i had the same impression mm-hmm. you know like, and yeah like even even if like i get wanting to write all those but like put them put them in the book like, yeah it's like if you're you gonna know? make all these characters like at least do something with it you know like, yeah really yeah. go it's like if you're gonna do it just fucking do it you know <laughs> like yeah let me yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna uh do all this put it all in one book make me spend 75 dollars because i'm gonna do it <laughs> and you know to, to uh, answer your yeah, question sorry. to answer your question uh the only tie-ins that i even know about are the ones that take place in amazing spider-man and so it's one issue of clone conspiracy one issue of amazing spider-man the next issue of clone conspiracy but if you read none of the issues of amazing spider-man you still know exactly what happened the stuff that takes place in amazing spider-man is just kind of like a like another angle of what happens in Clone Conspiracy. So they'll spend more time in a particular moment. So the Gwen Stacy Spider-Man interaction. In Clone Conspiracy isn't that big. But in Amazing Spider-Man 22. They expand on it. So the tie-ins aren't essential. But you know they're helpful. And yeah. They're worth they're worth the read. So it's really just a five issue run. That you can breeze through. And I appreciate that. Because I, I agree with you Kale. That I hate it when. You know, the tie-ins tell more of the story than the main story does. Uh, but this isn't one of those times. 
So definitely worth the read. Hopefully, uh, when the they bring one... into a trade paperback, they just put the amazing issues in it. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, I, that's not like totally unheard of, you know. No, I I kind of don't think that they will just because it's Marvel. You know, they they don't. But it would be it would be good because they go together. So um, another book that I read was America Number One. Uh, this is a book that we we talked about. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's by Gabby Rivera and Joe Quinones, and it's it's I don't know how I feel about it. It was yeah, like I like the character. I like America a lot. Uh, I like her attitude. She's cool. She's spunky. She's kind of like she's kind of an ass, um, but she has a good heart and she's a good person and. Getting to see a sli- slices of her life was fun uh, because you don't get that too much from the Ultimates. But the writing was a little weird, and there's some beats that don't really hit well for me. But I'm definitely going to keep trying with this book because I like this character, and I think it's great that they picked up Gabby Rivera to write this book. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But the first issue didn't land well for me. Um, and then the last book that I wanted to talk about was Batman number 18. Uh, I mean, we are all in love with Tom King. I don't think there's any secret about that. And uh, this book is just phenomenal. This is kind of like a bat, just a battle between Bane and Batman. And uh, Tom King's narrative is all about how similar these two characters are, um, and how Bat Bane is kind of like a funhouse mirror look at uh, Batman. Um, and their their battle is just brutal. I mean, Bane absolutely annihilates Batman, and uh, it's cool to read that. Um, and then, of course, you know, Batman still has his wits about him, and manages to kind of get a victory anyway. Uh, and I'm just Tom fully following Tom King down this rabbit hole because Batman is so so good right now. Uh, go ahead. I Phil. have a question. Yeah. yeah. Um... Compared to like the first eighteen issues of Snyder's Run, uh, how are you liking the two? Because I think the, the beginning of Snyder's Run is pretty good. So, how would you compare the first like eighteen issues of both runs? So, the first eight—I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, Snyder's Run is somewhat derivative. Uh, you feel that way strong, more strongly than I do, but I think we agree that there is, you know, that element is present. I think saying somewhat derivative is a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. Um, Tom King's feels wholly fresh. Uh, From issue 1 to 18, there is a very clear narrative, and that's a long time to keep one story going, but it feels fresh, and it doesn't feel like you're stuck in a rut for 18 issues, uh, which I appreciate. There's something different in every issue. Um, So... Compared to the Snyder Run, I think the Snyder Run is just a little bit more vapid, and I don't mean that as negatively as it probably sounds. There's just a lot of meat on the bones of these Tom King Batman issues to this point. But the only thing that I'll give Snyder's Run over King's at the moment is that Snyder's Run did a great job of feeling important and epic, whereas this feels a little smaller. And I think that has to do with the writing styles of both uh, both creators. Um, but this is still great in its own way, and I, I recommend it to anyone, including you, Marco. Um, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right well, along. Well, wait, Marco's wait, wait, wait. a fucking hater. Well, no, I mean, uh, I'm definitely gonna read it. I, I really, I, I like. 
Tom King, and I, I, I really wanted to support him. So, like, for that reason, I'll pick it up. But if it's just going to be, you know, another throwaway Batman story, I don't, I, I'm not interested in, in reading more about that specifically. It's not a throwaway, though. That's the thing. Also, like, go ahead, folks. Also, Marco, check your mic. Is this sound like you farted into it for like 10 straight seconds? <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe Marco's reaction to us talking about all reading Tom King was, would it be blasphemous for me to say, ugh, I have to buy a Batman book? It's like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> buy a fucking Batman book! You like Tom King. Don't be a hater. Yeah, I've seen I've I've seen all the Justice League new 52 books in your bookcase. Don't don't sit there and tell me you don't like trash. Thank you, Kale. Uh, Phil, you had a question? No, what I was going to say is I was checking the ratings meter and Sean after you eloquently compared those two books, our ratings went through the roof. Oh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. You're you're our a live draw. barometer. <laughs> yeah. So, Phil, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you read this week? Uh, Ooh, compared- hang on before you do that. Hang on, shut up, Phil. Before you do that, <laughs> uh, the uh, Archie review is called uh, uh, oh I don't know oh it's called Pals and Gals from Comics Alliance. Um, it's from uh, Chris Sims and Emma Lawson. He does. Uh, on, when, when we inevitably make a spinoff show of all ladies, the Comics Gals is definitely what we're going to call it. Ooh, decided. That's that's great. <laughs> Thanks, Comics Alliance. Hey, Pete. What's up? Uh, Pete, check, check Twitter. <laughs> check Twitter. Oh, God. Marco, do I, Marco, do I have to beat your ass again? No, no, no. Just, just check it. Hey, guys. Marco, can you not do that during the show? <laughs> like, you, we're doing a show. You did it. You did a thing. You did a thing. Also. Yeah, but I, I didn't announce it. While I rear us back on topic, I am extremely angry that Kale interrupted me for Riverdale shit. to be fair we already knew i was gonna do that (laughs) uh this is crazy this is we're supposed to interrupt sean not phil anyway i read it was a bit of a light reading week for me this week so the only thing i have to report is i read daredevil yellow which i know you are fans of yeah yeah very cool uh the quote that always stands out to me Oh, it's on the back, actually. Uh, the measure of a man is not in how he gets knocked to the mat. It is how he gets up. It's good. Um, it's a pretty good book. Um, I'm a big fan of the character, obviously. Um, I like the Bendis and the Miller runs and the Nochanti run. And so this is kind of a revisit of the origin story. And I love uh, Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb together. Uh, but, you know, it's it's... It feels a little lighter, but that's fine. I think that's kind of their style. Outside of maybe like Long Halloween, it's very light and whimsical, like very subragey. Have you read the Wade Samney stuff? Not yet. Why? Okay, I was going to ask if you knew if there were parts of it that might be uh, uh, pulled from Daredevil Yellow, or uh, but if you haven't read it, I guess you wouldn't know it's, that. It's, it's on my Because it, it is very... Yeah, it is very lighthearted, uh, similar to the low sale stuff. Um, yeah, I, I have the Wade uh, first volume on my shelf, the hardcover. Um, uh, it's it's just, it's on my pull list when I get to it. I, I feel like I'm on a Daredevil kick right now, so I'll probably start it soon. You know, 
Um, so I was also going to say uh, the other thing that might be it is like I haven't read Daredevil Yellow, but I know a lot of like like the original interpretation of Daredevil. He was a lot less like grim, you know, yeah, and gritty. It was, it was also Stanley. Yeah, so I mean, like, like he was definitely kind of like a jokester originally, and like I could see. Maybe, like, again, since, like, Yellow, like, they have the original costume, like, maybe that was intentional, like, to have that levity and, like, kind of have a throwback story as opposed to the 80s interpretation of the character. I think that's probably true, but and it doesn't hurt the book at all. I think it's a pretty good book. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Of, I have to read course. that. I've, I've still only read Blue. I didn't know that there were other ones until you guys were like, yeah, there's, like, a Daredevil one and Cap, and I was like, what? Hulk. Hulk. <laughs> That's the yeah, Hulk Gray, Cap White, and uh Daredevil Yellow and Spider Man Blue. Yep. Yeah. Um yeah, I love the yellow Daredevil costume. You'll yeah. never conv- you'll never convince me that's a bad costume. I love I, it. I like it too. I, I like, like the it, costume. Yeah. It's just like I I'm glad they changed it just because like the like the way that they use the character now, like it would be yeah really hard to justify. It would be weird. Be like, um yeah. bro, I can see you. <laughs> no, Daredevil is probably my favorite Marvel character, if not my favorite, my second favorite, you know. And uh what's funny is like originally he was kind of a Spider Man knockoff in the way that the books were written. But then in the eighties he became a Batman knockoff because Frank Miller took over. And Daredevil's whatever you funny. need him to be, Phil. I say this is a I say this with a loving heart. He's a ripoff. Yeah, but like that—that that makes a me good angry. one though. Some of like, the best characters in comic <laughs> books are ripoffs, though. That's you know? true. That's very true. I mean, yeah, the Ninja Turtles are complete Daredevil ripoffs, and <laughs> it total and it's worked for thirty years. Like, yep, yeah, dude, and like fucking Deadpool only exists because they're like, what if we ripped off Deathstroke? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Aquaman's a better version of Namor. I said it. Hmm. Man, Phil, you are just like saying all the things that Phil, are just I was, triggering me right now. I really yeah, wanted to, I really wanted to make a joke to trigger Phil, but I don't even agree with it. I was going to be like, "Yeah, and Shazam is the better Superman." I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, he's not. He just sold better. <laughs> let's uh let's let's move on unless you had something else to say that was going to anger me, Phil. Uh Jean Grey, wait, stop. Never mind. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Grey is Bay. Grey is Bay. Thank you, Pete. See? Wait, wait, Sean, Sean, I wait. have I have an ace in the hole. Do you want me to trigger Phil? Yeah. Okay. Hey. All right. So for, for all you listeners at home, just we're gonna have to narrate this for you, but Oh boy. This is gonna go a long way. Look what you left in my house, buddy. <laughs> oh no. So Phil left his sunglasses at Pete's house. And now he's pu- pulling them up and down in in a very cool kid style. In a very Groucho Marx-esque way. <laughs> That's the one. So these are mine now. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you. You see, Phil, some of the best things come from ripping things off. Like Phil. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty right. good. Segways. Uh, All right, let's do the news. <laughs> the news? I think there's something that comes in between the reading segment. Oh, and my the God, news. you're right. <laughs> uh, hey, Pete, mean, could, you, Pete? Could, you remind, could you remind us what that is? I guess that means it's time for the random 
question of the week. Dubstep. Uh, I actually have a different idea I'll be working with. <laughs> so yeah, the my random question of the week is which comic book character do you think has had the greatest impact and influence for all time on pop culture? And um, what about in the last like 20 years or so? Well, I mean, I think the easy answer is Superman. Yeah. Because that's um, yeah, overall think... Superman last 20 years is Batman. Yeah. You think? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, when you say influence, yeah, I guess. Because of the. I mean, in terms of uh, like for Batman specifically, his popularity has been dying due to the movies. But more more recently, but um, I guess I was thinking more like the Avengers or something like that. You know, I I think ba- I think we're seeing Batman's like relevance wane in a major way because of the way that like he's it, the movies have been handled in the last like several years. Like Marvel's characters have definitely um, taken a a bigger mind share in a way than they ever have. That's for sure. I mean, like nobody gave a fuck about Iron Man before two thousand eight, and now. You know, when you think superheroes, like the Avengers are in that conversation for sure. Well, well, while that's true right now, we're talking 20 years. So like this came out before like late 80s, early mid 90s Batman movies. Um, Then the three Nolan movies, multiple cartoons, uh, constant best selling comics, best selling toys. Like, I don't know. And then like, oh, also the Arkham games, too. And then in the late 80s, like, Batman books, like, um, The Dark Knight in year one, like, this is shit that redefined the genre. That's I don't know how, I don't know how it's not, I don't know how Batman isn't the most influential superhero of the last 20 years. It's absolutely Batman. I, I don't even think that there's a debate to be had, because if you, like, yeah, the Avengers, but only over the last, you know, nine years, right? And well, even to be fair, then, Marco did say 20 years, and, like, some of the stuff that Phil's bringing up is more than 20 years ago. But I think that stuff influenced things that happened within the last 20 years is what I'm saying. Sure. E- even even if you do include the Avengers, uh, like, I don't, I don't know how they've affected – I don't know how they've affected culture, whereas I feel like Batman – absolutely has been an influencer for for 20 years plus at this point and i would say that no one has had no character has had the track record that batman has had of consistent quality stories of you know getting getting kids to want to dress like him to want to play the games to want to buy the toys uh, i i mean that that's almost like a bygone era as far as buying toys and stuff you know there hasn't even been an avengers game like Batman is just always present, you know, like in every medium, there's always Batman. You can't say that about any other character. And I think the closest you even get is Spider-Man. When we talk about all time influential character, uh, I don't think there's any dispute that it's probably Superman, because especially in the early days between like the 30s and the 70s, uh, the amount of clout and influence that that character had um, was extremely widespread. Um, I, I think even more than that, like he spawned the genre, you know, like yeah, absolutely. He's the first superhero. He he um he was the first character to get serials, to get TV shows. Uh, the the Adventures of Superman ran for uh, seven to nine years uh, in the fifties in the pioneer age of television, too, no less. Uh, it was one of the very first shows to be colorized. Uh, Nineteen fifty three, when no shows were colorized, 
by contrast, a show like Gilligan's Island, which needed color, didn't go in color until 1962. So, like, that's how forward-thinking they were. Uh, and, of course, uh, like, the Christopher Reeve movies. Uh, that They were the first superhero movies for more, for more for, for real purposes. I mean, there was the Adam West Batman movie, but that was a, a movie based off a TV show. This was the first genuine Feature superhero film. movie. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I don't think there's any character that was more influential for the first 40, 50 years in the medium. I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally that. agree. I mean, the medium, like, wouldn't be what it is without the creation of Superman. That's for sure. As, as the movies start to, like, um, affect people's, um, pers- I guess, perceptions of Batman and Superman, who do you think, what character do you think is going to start to sort of take the role of being really influential in, like, the next five years? I mean, I, I per- personally, Marco, I think the argument that you made about the Avengers is is probably more salient than we as like comic readers would like to think because i think like we've seen a, de- a a serious decline in marvel's the quality of marvel's books over the last several years but their movies and their television properties have like consistently been on like a upward trajectory and in like very very uh increased like social relevance and that's what you asked was cultural relevance and i think like w- like if you want to talk about comics like there's no question you know that like over the last 20, 30 years at the best, the, the superhero with the most quality iterations is Batman. I, I think that's indisputable. But I think like looking forward, I mean, the best stuff, the best adaptions we're talking about of Batman, a lot of them are old and there are definitely good new comics coming out, but the movies are not good right now. They're not successful and Marvel's have been for a long time. So I, I also think, I also think in terms of comics, especially in the next five years or so, uh, we'll con- we'll probably continue to see Marvel try and spin, try you know try and like s- spin success out of the the uh, the movie tie-ins. You know the they'll they'll try and blow up the next Infinity War and they'll try and do another uh, Doom Glove or whatever spinoff. What the hell is that thing? The Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> Um, they'll try another one of those and it'll be another garbage event. But at the same time, we'll see the smaller books like Vision and Hawkeye and even Squirrel Girl, that stuff will uh, exceed expectation, but they won't pay attention to it. Not to mention, I think Marvel's like really trying, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, they're really trying to create new characters that are relevant to like a new generation of, of kids. And like, I wonder if we'll see any of those like really have any kind of like saying power you know because i think that's what we need to think about like the characters that are going to be the most influential from the last 20 years is like does does marvel eventually like, does this train keep going like are they going to be able to keep this success going for another 10 years i mean like that seems crazy but it seemed crazy 10 years ago and here well, we the are. big the big thing that sean mentioned was um avengers uh, cultural penetration the last nine years uh when you go around a lot of kids dress up in iron man and captain america stuff like they seem like they're very popular to like the broader culture of course from a like film standpoint um uh there's probably not many movies that chris evans and robert downey jr have left for them in the marvel stuff presumably so it'd be real curious to see 
the next five, ten years where what Marvel does with those two characters as an abstract concept in the scope of the general consciousness. Because if you go back ten years ago, Dark Knight was on top of the world. DC kind of fumbled, or Warner Brothers kind of fumbled the ball with Batman. So, like, we'll see what happens with those two characters as concepts. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's um, a bit premature to judge Batman as a as a film property harshly because the Dark Knight trilogy was received very, very well and it made a ton of money. And we haven't seen a Batman solo project since then and batman superman was a bust but it was still financially you know did well and so i think before we kind of before we crown the avengers as being more culturally relevant than batman i would say we need to see the next movie and see how that does and what the feedback is um for the character after that point i'm definitely not counting him out i'm just saying that like i think batman's era of like cultural dominance is has definitely been shaken by by the avengers you know without question you know it's like it's like when we were kids like batman was it and like i think to phil's point like i think a lot of kids nowadays look at the marvel characters that same way and well spider-man was really big when we were kids as well so were the x-men you talk about waning i feel like spider-man waned pretty hard unfortunately yeah i mean again it was after this you know we had we had a Two great movies, and then a terrible end to a trilogy, and then, yeah, it's kind of what happened. And I think, like, I think the movies have a huge, you know, weight in what characters are culturally relevant, you know? Well, and and for us, like, we had, you know, the Spider-Man animated series, the X-Men animated series, the Batman animated series, um, and Superman. Uh, a lot of that, like... A lot of the stuff that's coming out now, like Justice League action and even the um, um, uh, the the recent Spider-Man stuff, it like there for a period of about five years, there was like this weird gap where it felt like people our age were in like their teenage years trying to figure out what they were going to do. And like they weren't, you know, they weren't into comics and they weren't into cartoons anymore. So, like, that stuff just wasn't there. I I also think that some of that stuff kind of stopped being uh, directed at us. Like, I know the art the art style of a lot of that stuff just doesn't appeal to me. And I know that it's not meant to because it's, you know, it's airing on Cartoon Network. It's, you know, it's targeted towards kids. And I think that's totally fine. But, you know, for us, like, or at least for me, that's not really what I'm looking for. And I think it's only, it's only, like, more recently i would say where they're kind of there's a shift um so. um we've we never talk about justice league action is that any good i've i've only seen a few clips um i've really enjoyed what i've seen um but i i i haven't had the i haven't had the opportunity to watch a full episode so i haven't heard about this is this so. like a continuation of the old justice league show or what no it's more of um it's a little bit more in the vein of Teen Titans Go, but hang on. But uh, it does have most, if not all, of the voice cast of the Justice League. And it's, uh, okay, it's it's more of a mix of like Teen Titans Go and Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh, Brave so and the Bold's amazing. Like, 
yeah, there are like legitimate stories and team ups and pairs, but the, it does air a little bit more on the on the light side for younger kids who would want to watch it. Like like they they have an episode where uh, oh let me think, it was described to me as like uh, uh, the Justice League is off saving the universe, and 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 it ends up being Plastic Man who saves the world. Hell yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so so I think Phil, I think it would be right up your alley, um, <laughs> especially especially uh, because you like Batman: Brave and the Bold. I'll check it out. So. Marco, since you asked the question, uh, what do you think the answer is as far as the past 20 years and then looking forward, let's say, the next five years? Uh, for me, the past 20 years, um, I guess you guys kind of swayed me um, that, yeah, uh, Batman sort of had more of that relevance. Um, but in the next couple years, I think that Deadpool is going to be really big. Uh, he's going to be... Uh, definitely leading the the charge more so than a spider-man or an uh, an iron man deadpool oh, i hope not i think that's a that's a tough one because kids can't yeah i movies. feel like i feel like deadpool speaks to a very specific segment of comic book fans and like adult i like young adults i guess um and i guess adult men uh even more specifically maybe but, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I definitely think we're going to see increased popularity for Deadpool even more so than he already has because of the movies. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll be like all time relevant. Um, I mean, he, he is in like in a lot of the, the animated shows. He, he has a like, one off episode and true, stuff. Yeah. But he's so, he, they can, they can make him kid friendly. And I think the, the kids who do watch Deadpool, like they're gonna, they're gonna watch it. Kind of, kids are gonna end up watching Deadpool anyway, you know. So uh, at least for me, that's what, like that was where my thinking was going. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you, but I can definitely see what you're saying. I feel like Deadpool definitely speaks to like preteens, you know, and like yeah, young teenagers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't know about like kids, you know. I I think. Um, in terms of like the next five years, I'd, I'd probably the Avengers, and like if the movies are good, maybe Spider Man again. Pete's ready for it. And even Guardians. Yeah, the Guardians oh, yeah. too. I think Guardians big time. I think I think the Avengers uh, are are up there, and then Batman's in a limbo state, I guess. Um, the pe- pending the next movie and whatever the hell that ends up. And you never know; they might make another fucking so, good cartoon or something like that too. That like brings Batman to another to a more uh, prominent state again. But you know, I I think I don't know. I think I think we're definitely about to see kind of like a post Batman and Robin period for Batman if this next movie isn't good, where it's going to be a bit of a dip, and yeah. then we'll get a rebirth again with a bunch of good properties. You know, I'm. I remember how excited I was when Man of Steel was coming out because I was like, the reign of Superman. And then, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> One day, Phil. <laughs> I think I, t- I totally agree in that if if the next Batman movie is poor, then we're probably not going to see a whole lot of Batman for a few years. Like, I think a cooling off period would be required. And I, I feel like point. we've talked about it to death, but I feel like it's inevitable at this point that that movie's probably not going to be very good. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't have high hopes. If so. that movie is good, Pete should but, eat a ton of crow. Literally. I mean, sure. I'm always down for exotic food. <laughs> Gross. Uh, but one thing I think we can all agree on is that we're we're definitely there's definitely a lot of good superhero uh, content to consume right now. Like if you're a fan, uh, there's just all these movies that are just like the bar has been raised. I mean, a lot of us just saw Logan. And like I said, we're going to talk about that later. But that movie really is uh, an example of how good this kind of stuff can be, you know, and, and alongside that, right, like a super serious movie. Uh, you also have Guardians coming out in the same year that's really kind of silly and fun, but also high quality. And so it's great that there are these movies that are for everyone. You know, adults get, you know, rated R Logan. Everyone gets Guardians. We've got Spider-Man in the mix. Wonder Woman is coming. So there's just so much to all of these movies. And that's really exciting. It's, there's never been a better time to be a fan of this stuff. Uh, so we just mentioned Guardians, and that's a good way to transition into the news. Uh, because a new Guardians trailer was released this week. Uh, did you all did you all get to check it out? Yeah. So, Phil, did you see it? I did. I thought, um, compared to the first trailer, I didn't think it was as good. The trailer, but um, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for the movie. Um, all those guys are pretty funny, honestly. Like uh, Chris Pratt is a good action comedy lead like i don't know if there's a better action comedy lead in hollywood right now um and i mean what more can i say about my friend dave batista he's so big he's a big big man he's great in this role though oh he's awesome i'm surprised i didn't you know if you told me four years ago that i would be saying that i would have told you you were wrong but Oh, Pete left. <laughs> well, and Pete is one thing, the, the one, now. one thing I remembered uh, about like these kinds of movies is that uh, like I, I recently I went and saw Lego Batman, and um, I was amazed at how how much I enjoyed it. Uh, and then I remembered, oh yeah, I really enjoyed the Lego Movie. Uh, it's you know for me it's like I. In these trailers, I see these little clips, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be dumb and corny, and they're not going to be able to pull it off. It's going to be, oh, it's just going to be the exact same thing as the original. But it's like, but wait, I enjoyed the original. Why would that be a Thank bad God. thing? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I remember oh, uh, yo. some episodes ago. Oh, yo. Mohawk's back. <laughs> <laughs> yo. Pete isn't listening no, to us at good. all. He's in his own zone, yeah, which is great, um, and I can't wait to get his feedback. A few episodes ago, we did we did have a conversation about that, Kale, about kind of some fear of the next Guardians movie uh, treading too close to what the first one was, and I, f- I, I feel like, Gar- for me, Guardians was a movie that was so good, but so good uniquely, that I, I kind of want that, but I also trust that James Gunn and all of them will give us what made that movie unique, but then also expand on it. And, you know, welcome the, the, back. The, the, the fear is that it would be a caricature of the first one and not embody the qualities that made the first one. Good. Yeah. And, and, but and Pete, I think uh, the fact that it's in the same hands means it's going to be okay. Yeah. Agreed. 
Pete, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, just to respond to that point, I, I made the exact same point that Kale did when we had this conversation a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, I, d- I don't think James Gunn and company would come back if they didn't have another story to tell. So I'm excited to see how they're going to expand on it. Um, I mean, it looks good. Yeah, it's great. It's another good trailer, I think. Um, I mean, like, I'm in on this. You know, like, I think I said this when the first trailer came out. It's like, I didn't even need it. You know, like, I don't need a trailer for Guardians. Like, if they gave me that first, that very first teaser where it was literally just the cassette in space and Guardians volume, that's all I needed to see. I'm going to go fucking see it. It's Guardians. You know, like, Yondu's Mohawk is back. That's pretty cool. Um, I really like Mantis, so I'm glad she's going to be in the movie. Uh, We knew that already, though. But um, it it looks great. Like, you know, these little bits and whatever were funny and cool. But it's like, I'm sure it's only like the tip of the iceberg, you know? (laughs) And to answer Marco's question, um, Mantis is her real name. Her alias is the Nightmaster. (laughs) Yeah. Created in 1969, the same year that we went to the moon. Um, Year of our uh, savior. I think uh, the one thing that I'm probably the most concerned about, or I have been the most concerned about, um, James Gunn has like confirmed is not the case, but uh, is like, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that they might like lean too much on how adorable baby Groot is. But every time they show me a new thing, he does. I'm just like, I don't even care. This is uh, yeah, I have that. Pete, you know how contrarian I can be, and I'm just like, oh, fun things are stupid. But every time I see him in a trailer, I'm just like, he's pretty good. Dude, like that, that one <laughs> he's moment where good. he's just like, where like, he just waves at Gamora, and she's just like, hi. Like, it's, it's pretty God, good. It's adorable. We're like, buckle up, Groot, and he's just eating candy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this movie didn't need a Pikachu, but we got like a little Pikachu in this movie. I mean... I feel like I feel like your group team up movies like that's one of the roles you fill. You know, you need somebody cute. That's why Marco's here. I actually <laughs> <every> good... <laughs> uh, speaking of Marco, uh, what do um, you think of the trailer? It sort of opened up showing some of the same things that we've already seen, and um, at least that like like the first like minute or so. Um, some of the stuff in the middle. Um, again, I'm I'm not too big a fan of uh rocket raccoon uh you son of a bitch it's just like he's he's like all right he tries to make jokes they feel like they're he's reaching sometimes for them uh the timing's off for them at least for me i feel like this is an attack on me i think you're attacking me (laughs) am i is that your favorite character no, I'm saying that you're probably you're saying that he reaches for jokes and they don't land. <laughs> Phil, Phil is the rocket raccoon of the uh, the comics. I was actually gonna say while I was watching the trailer, I was like, guys, I feel like we have a very Guardians of the Galaxy dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just like like what Pete said. Like, I, I didn't need this trailer. Like, I'm I'm on board anyway. Um, this is more for people who need convincing. Although, if you saw the first one, I don't know what you need convincing about. You know? Yeah, like who walked out of the first Guardians think, and wasn't? I think like, we were the ones that needed that. convincing. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know if it's that. It's more, it's more like, oh, they've got a formula for trailers now. Marvel should put out a like, third one. Get hype! Let's all get on the hype train. Yeah, uh, there were there were a lot more like action scenes. I felt like so. Uh, We've I, seen a lot of action in these. Yeah, yeah. So I I hope they do. I mean, they definitely are going to touch more upon like each character and their stories and stuff. But I, I hope that stays a main a main uh, feature in the in the movie. I'm excited for them to have a movie where it's not going to be about like establishing characters as much. 
You know, it's like we're only really introducing Mantis. Like everyone else is somebody we know. So that's nice. Like we'll be able to just kind of see them grow a little bit, hopefully. I uh, I watched this trailer earlier in the week, and then I watched it again last night after I got home from seeing Logan. And I liked it a lot less the second time than I did the first time, which I am almost positive is because I had just watched Logan. Uh, and it, it just kind of like felt, I don't know, it felt, it, felt, it felt irrelevant because of what I had just seen. And, that, and I don't think I'm going to feel that way when I'm watching the movie, but that's just how the trailer kind of struck me the second time around. And I also didn't need a new trailer. I, I, like, I almost wish I hadn't seen it just because the movie is coming out in May and I want I like to go in with as little knowledge as possible, and I I really didn't need to see um to see uh, Star Lord's father. I didn't need that. I didn't. I like. I I didn't. I, I don't know. That just. Didn't I'm super excited about me. Kurt Russell though. Yeah, I am too. But in a way of like, I want to be surprised. You want that shock value? Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't need to see his intro. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my problem with trailers in general. Um, you know, like. Remember that Batman versus Superman trailer where like the entire movie is played out yeah. in the trailer? Yep. Yeah, you see like literally every single thing that happens. Yeah. Um the but I agree with the point that was made earlier where I'm really glad that everyone is coming back and that we're going to get to see these characters kind of uh grow with each other. Like I'm so happy that they brought back Yandu, which I didn't expect. Nebula who I love in the comics and I'm glad that she's kind of you know, getting to be involved with this and that they're they're not bringing in new characters so much as integrating the characters that they've already established more and creating a family dynamic. Uh, we, we, we're talking about Guardians, but let's now talk about DC's Guardians-esque team. Uh, their 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 mirror funhouse version of the Guardians, oh. the Suicide Squad. Uh, Academy Award winning film. Yeah. It would do it yeah. for yes. um, the Academy makeup and stuff, right? For best hair and makeup. Hey, 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 guys. This is the part where, you know, I introduce the news. <laughs> so let's let me do that. Thanks. All right. So Suicide Squad is an Oscar-winning film. Uh, Suicide Squad won an Oscar, as uh, we just learned, for achievement in makeup and hairstyling. Which a lot of people gave the movie a shit for winning an Oscar, but I actually think it deserved it for this. I think it, I think the those elements of the film worked amazingly. But what's funny about this and why this has become so relevant in culture and why everyone's been talking about it is because there are so many phenomenal movies that won no Oscars. And if I, off the top of your heads, I would love for you guys to list some movies you can think of that didn't win Oscars that were better this than Suicide Squad. This year in in Ever. hair and makeup, uh, this year alone, Star Trek Beyond blew it out of the water. That was this year? Yeah. That was this summer. Civil War was also this year. And Civil War, so it's in, in a year where Civil War and Suicide Squad came out, Suicide Squad won an Oscar. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. That's really all I need to say. That's very funny. That's, I'm yeah, pretty that's sure. Crazy. I think the thing that really stung is I was talking about it with um, my co-host on the on the Slackcast, Andy, and uh, I'm pretty sure DC has either the same amount or more Oscar wins now than Marvel's uh, film offerings, and those things are not nearly <laughs> like equal. <laughs> Doc- Doctor Strange, 
Yeah, fuck! Like, that didn't, Doctor that Strange. didn't get an effects nod. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, so, Suicide Squad, deserving of this award? No. Maybe. Uh, it's a trash not, movie. No? Uh, don't award I'm, a trash movie. I'm not an expert in makeup and design, you know? Like, it's fine. I didn't even see the movie. <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't think you have to be uh, an expert to uh, in makeup to to see you know Harley Quinn's makeup gun look isn't anywhere near as good as like the the aliens in Star Trek Beyond. Also, I think um, specifically Killer Croc looked like shit in that movie. Yeah, like I, so it's yeah, like the fact that they that. won something for makeup and costumes, and like a lot of the makeup and costumes were like bad or looked like. These fucking guys got dressed up at Hot Topic in like the fucking J- early two thousands. Jared, Jared Leto had damage written on his forehead. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> like I'm sorry, was, I don't. That was that was so funny. I loved it. <laughs> I'm not, I was not. A yeah, fan. but not in an Oscar. <laughs> like it's not Oscar worthy. Like no. it's dumb. You know what? Now Jared Leto can get Oscar tattooed on his head. Oscar winner. <laughs> oh god oh, he was already an oscar winner wasn't that's he? right he won best uh supporting actor in dallas buyers club which is a very good movie um moving right along marvel has announced an edge of venomverse miniseries uh that's that's odd uh a host of symbiotes will take over the marvel universe in the edge of venomverse a five issue miniseries this june the story arc spills out of the events in venom and this month's venomized variant program and sees the return of eddie brock along with marvel superheroes becoming hosts to sinister symbiotes that will include dream matchups and fan favorite creators a marvel press release teases that brock will not be the only familiar character to make his return and that's from cbr.com uh so uh, the only cool thing about this announcement is the announcement uh, image, the, the the teaser image that was attached. I don't know if you guys got to check that out. Um, it looks really cool. I mean, in the center, you've got, I'm assuming, Eddie Brock in the Venom symbiote. It looks like that kind of classic Venom. Uh, you've got um, Deadpool as Venom, Wolverine as Venom, um, uh, X-23 as Venom. You've got Iron Man as Carnage, I guess. Um, I have problems with some of those. For example, Wolverine cannot be overtaken by the Venom symbiote because he has his healing factor. Uh, that was addressed in an issue of New Avengers where there were Venoms everywhere or Venom symbiotes everywhere and it tried to take over Wolverine and it just didn't work. Uh, like his body was actively fighting it off. So that, you know, the... The hardcore comic fan in me looks at that and is obsessively uh, pissed about it. But otherwise, it's a good-looking image. As far as whether we need an Edge of Venomverse event, I... It just reminds me of that Carnage book they did a couple years ago. Like, like United States of Carnage or whatever. Like, I was going to say, didn't... Haven't we done this? Yeah. It was like the Avengers went in and, like, Cap and a few other people got taken over by the Carnage symbiote. And just like, I just... I don't know. It just feels trite. Like... It's like I I get they want to bring Eddie Brock back, but it did, did it need to be like a big event. I think it could have been an event, but I I don't I think it should be small scale. Like I think it should be him versus Spider Man. You know you know that dynamic. I don't think we need all these symbiotes to be taking people over, especially because quite frankly, there's not a whole ton of difference between 
you know, say Wolverine taken over by the symbiote and not. Like, what's the difference? He's, he just looks different, you know? Like, it doesn't it doesn't change his power set or anything like that. Well, that's, a, that's totally why. Way. It's just the visual aesthetic aspect. Well, sure, but I mean, from a story t- from a storytelling standpoint, it doesn't give us anything, like, interesting, in my opinion. You're probably summarizing the event to a T. It doesn't give us anything interesting. Yep. <laughs> Other than unless it's that, like, you know, oh, their personalities are being changed by the symbiote, you know, like, but. I guess uh, that could be a thing, but even then, the the Venom symbiote it goes against was the, the way it was. Right, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. No, I'm with you. But, like, again, it doesn't seem like they necessarily care about that, so. That's true. Whatever. But to be fair, if it is Dan Slott, everything he's done over the last, like, two years has been really good. So I'll be reading it. So it's time for him to do a big event to catch a headline and piss everyone off again. <laughs> Is it Dan Slott? No, there's been no announcement. Oh, okay. Uh, as far as creative teams. I'm just assuming it's Dan Slott because he is kind of the, the guy who's spearheading the Spider-Man character. I, it feels like the kind of thing that would, I mean, they would have, uh, like he's already done Edge of the Spider-Verse. They're clearly, you know, uh, trying to derive you know, from that success, I, I just, it seems like, I don't know, this is going to be kind of rude to say, because at some point I may be one of these people, one of their, <laughs> you know, it'll be one of their B-list writers who, you know, they're trying to make, <laughs> you know, successful, you know, like this, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it's just going to be, it's, it's going to be just a non thing that it's going to pass us by. And we're going to see the trade in, at Barnes and Noble here in a year. And we're going to be like, oh, yeah, that happened. Well, wait till uh, the end of the trilogy when they do Edge of Carnage verse with their C-list writer that they're trying to push. Oh, my God. Written by Kill Ward. <laughs> that'll be my that'll hey. be my introduction <laughs> to the Marvel Universe. And you know what? I And I'm not saying that whoever this is shouldn't be proud of this. I'll be proud of that book. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure it'd be good. I'd, I'll buy it. Well, <laughs> it's like, oh, boy, I get to write Spider-Man. Who's the villain? Carnage. Ugh. That sounds like uh. kale. <laughs> I don't. I say. Well, here we go. <laughs> Buckle in. All right. So that that little bit of news, uh, we're not too sure about. But here's something that I'm actually really excited about. Uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Karen Berger uh, getting a job with Dark Horse Comics and launching her own creator-owned imprint called Burger Books. Uh, well, now it looks like Shelly Bond is going to do the same thing over at IDW uh, because she's now got her own imprint. She's signed on the dotted line, and she's going to be leading an imprint called Black Crown. And her goal is to bring on some, you know, top tier creators from, you know, all over the place to work on this, to work under this banner and sort of bring IDW to prominence. And I'm I'm really excited about this. She- Shelly Bond is dope. Uh, if you'll remember from that episode, I uh, I mentioned that she that it was Karen Berger who was behind uh, Young Animal with Gerard Way. Uh, I was mistaken because the whole time I was talking about that, I was thinking of Shelly Bond. Uh, it's Shelly Bond who was a long time, long long time editor for uh, DC and Vertigo, and uh, made the uh, Young Animal imprint a thing, and then DC. Uh, let her go for murky circumstances to the public 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm even more pumped about this. It's really funny that this happened, like, right after we made yeah. that mistake. She's had a lot of success. Uh, she edited and worked on Fables, The Invisibles, uh, Sandman Overture, Lucifer, uh, and then, as Kel mentioned, the Young Animal line, um, you know, she's the reason or a large part of the reason why these projects came together. And so that's a that's a long list. Wasn't she the editor on Why the Last Man, too? That No, that was Burger, I believe. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I'm a little bit unsure about is that the the whole identity of Black Crown is the name of the imprint, but it's also a street in the in the universe that they're creating that uh, sort of anchors each title. So all the creators are telling a singular story, um, but they have the opportunity to kind of create what their singular story is going to be, but just make sure that it intersects with the larger narrative. So, yeah. But it's still a creator-owned um, imprint, right? Like, Yes. I, I think that's pretty cool that it's... Um... Because we we see that what was it uh, first was it was Dark Horse with uh, with Burger and now um, IDW has their own like creator owned imprint. Uh, I, I think that's pretty indicative of where the industry is going. So I I took it from that kind of angle. Like people want this this kind of content and they want it in this kind of uh, they want the story told in this way in this kind of format. And so these other companies have to basically adapt. And they have to make an imprint like this if they want to be stay. If they want to maintain competitive. Yeah. Well, if they don't want to lose their creative talent too, I think is probably the bigger thing. Where it's oh like if yeah, you yeah. Have somebody working yeah. on a book, and it's like, all right, well, we're going to lose them to image. They can go tell the book they want to tell, or we can let them keep the rights to it and back it and keep them. Yeah, I mean, no brainer, right? And I think I think what Marco's saying is accurate. I I'm I'm also excited because. I want to see Dark Horse and IDW take a bigger stake in uh, the comic book industry. I think that those yeah. those are two yeah. companies that have been kind of floundering for a little while. I would say IDW less than Dark Horse, but those are those are job opportunities. Those are opportunities for great stories, and I think that we need that. We need those two companies to have this going on, so that alongside some of the um, the licensed stuff that dark horse does we can also get creator own works that are going to bring eyes you know the 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 um the licensed stuff is going to bring eyes to the creator own stuff and it could be a boom for them so i'm excited to see what they end up doing both companies um so moving right along we're going to talk some x-men uh you know with logan out there's a lot of you know talk about what the next film is going to be and where they're going and so um we recently learned from Laura Schuler Donner, who is the sort of big producer of the X-Men films. She said that uh, we're going to move beyond the Professor X and Magneto relationship with future films. Uh, she said we cannot once again explore the Eric Charles dynamic uh, and that it's both liberating and makes me nervous to move on from those. But it's mostly liberating. So it sounds like they're just kind of like going to tell some different stories which excites me because i'm kind of tired of seeing those two characters dominate the screen so much in these films yeah i agree uh yeah with the original uh films we walked away especially with logan we walked away seeing sort of uh this is logan was sort of the swan song for 
Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and their characters in in this franchise and and I think it's appropriate like the the films have sort of gotten away from those two characters and uh I think it's I think it's time. Um I mean we'll see. The best X-Men movies are the ones that uh feature Magneto and Xavier prominently, I think uh for the most part. That's that's because those are mostly the only ones we have. I know, but you know Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, J- Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, they all killed it in those movies um i think you're right it is probably time to tell more stories but uh tentatively cautious about that just because of the quality we have in exploring those two characters i think the issue there though is like it's become kind of a law of diminishing returns issue for me where it's like i think i think like especially in the early days it would have been ridiculous to not focus on those two characters considering the caliber of actor that they were able to get um and then again i think when they made the the re the reboot i guess you want to call it um yeah again the two strongest actors that they had were the the people that played those characters so like it's natural to want to focus on them because a you have they're the best talent and b they're the two of the you know most compelling characters in the x-men canon for a reason but i also think that like Especially with the X-Men, like, it's not really about Charles. It's about Charles' vision, and that's the future of the mutants, and that's kids, you know? And that's, like, to me, like, that, like, teen drama is what the X-Men does best, you know? And, like, I love Magneto and um, and Professor X as, like, these uh, ever-present kind of, like, you know, ancient wisdom kind of figures almost, you know, like, leading this new generation. But, like, that's what I really want to see. You know, and, like, I think, again, like, the reason a character like Wolverine is compelling is because, like, he's complicated and he is, like, he doesn't have it all figured out. Like, Magneto's a flawed character, but, like, I feel like when Professor X, when we see him as, like, an adult, which is where I'd like to see us get so we can stop focusing on him so much, it it is supposed to be a little bit more, like, he has this air of wisdom and, like, he should be, like, solving problems, not watching us, watching him get through them so much. I mean, that's kind of where I'd like to see it go at this point yeah. right um with Ideally, that said, anyway i do really i i appreciate the stories that we've gotten about xavier and magneto for sure yeah and i'm glad we got first class because getting to see them like you know as friends and everything was finally really cool too you know oh, yeah michael fassbender's magneto might be one of my that might be my favorite it might be my favorite portrayal of a character in movies I, I he's really really strong and but I think it's really funny how obvious the scripts are like seem to be written around the holy shit we got Michael Fassbender to play Magneto. <laughs> like <laughs> he's he's one of my favorite actors in Hollywood. It's like Professor X is the main character, but but we all it's, know you really want to watch Magneto, right? Like <laughs> it's Michael fucking Fassbender. Uh for me it's I think it's a great thing that they're moving beyond these characters because you know, if you read the X Men comics, uh, Professor X is always present. Well, not now because he's dead, but when he's alive, he's always present. But he's not the driver of the storylines, and I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. I think, I don't think that the films should be focusing so heavily on those people. Um, that being said, if you look at the movies where they're not the focus, those tend to be the worst. Uh, but that's maybe unfair because those movies were also like the Last Stand isn't 
bad because Professor X and Magneto weren't featured prominently. It's bad because it's bad. Yeah, yeah the movie um, just sucks. <laughs> right. But but then you look at Apocalypse, which is a movie where they're featured prominently, but the main villain is someone entirely different, and they treated that main villain so badly that it just negatively affected everything around the film. Uh, and And for me... I love the rogues gallery that the X-Men has, and I love the diverse cast of characters that they have, but I'm afraid that Fox doesn't want to take those characters, um, to, to, to take them seriously, but show us the, the actual characters. So, for example, with Apocalypse, they changed a lot of things about him to make him fit in their world, and I think that's why he sucked, because they didn't just give us the character they gave us the fox version and the fox version sucks the fox version of everything sucks. no what do you mean no no wrong wrong because uh phil you're such a fucking apologist for these movies because they're good <laughs> the good ones are good that's the thing uh, yeah but the bad ones are bad and they outnumber the good that's not true either there's, there's more good and bad uh, isn't it no i don't think so <laughs> okay whoa Okay, wait a second. Let's So, I'm saying that the Fox the Fox version of these characters, the changes that they make to them don't work. And you're saying you disagree with that, Phil? Only for Magneto and uh, especially Xavier. I think movie Xavier is an improvement on comic book Xavier. But they're the same. No. No, 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 no. I think I think I yeah I I actually I think I have to side with Phil on this one, uh, and I was I was thinking about this while watching Logan, like a lot of, no I can't say that a lot of things uh, that we see in in the film is like the it's like the the good pure part of like Xavier and his dream. While in the comics we see we do see a lot of like manipulation and like weird like especially especially early on like he had a uh, he had a thing for Jean Grey for a little oh, while. Oh yeah. Uh, I just like yeah. Um, movie Xavier, it is like ideal Xavier. Yeah, exactly. But I wouldn't say that that's not something that we get in the comics. Like that's not. That isn't outside of. It depends. The, yeah, yeah. Like he's exist. Like we always when we talk about these things, like it's it's not like they it's not like they didn't pull from the comics to to create that Xavier. Like that Xavier exists in the comics. It's just that there are other versions of of Charles and other portions of him that they didn't include. Yeah, and that works to the behest of the movie. But what I was going to say is something that you said that's interesting. Like the idea of moving away from Xavier and Magneto is really the things that make the good X Men movies good are Xavier and Magneto, and like every other character except Wolverine are kind of sacrificial lambs in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like, like obviously it'd be really nice to have a good Cyclops in a X Men movie. Oh, tell me about it. But yeah, and and sort of tying that into what Pete was saying, like they you know they have the good actors for the good roles um, yeah you know they've got the uh the game of thrones girl for uh gene gray right now so hopefully that'll turn out to be something good i don't know we'll see man 
I'm, I'm, I mean, I doubt it, but I don't know. I, I'm excited by the idea of the new one that they're talking about doing one set in the '90s because, like, I, that was my X Men growing up. So, like, I'm excited to see. Like, I'm excited by the idea of like, you know, seeing the teams of X Men that I remember and seeing a focus on the characters that I really care about. Um, you know, and like the Claremont run and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, I. It's hard for me to be excited about a new X-Men movie because, like, they're so inconsistent, you know? Like, I, I really thought they were on a good trajectory with First Class, and then Apocalypse broke that. Um, I went in with, like, you know, cautious optimism to the idea of Logan, and then I really loved it. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, like, the idea of a 90s-centric X-Men movie in the way that we got a 70s and 80s-centric X-Men movie sounds great but who the fuck knows if they're really going to deliver you know well, i mean first class and days of future past are both pretty good uh, i didn't see apocalypse yeah, they were both but, really good i thought and th- i mean everyone said that was bad apocalypse so i mean maybe this 90s oriented one will be good right like you said the track record is hit or miss but uh i think it's more hit or miss with the x-men movies the thing that's interesting though is like, are they is, is this going to be where we see them finally recast Wolverine? Because like they need oh. to have Wolverine in that movie, you know? Like Wolverine was I, yeah, such I a key s- part of the X Men in the nineties. I don't, we, I don't see how they could. Well, we talk about moving like, away from Xavier and Magneto. I mean, we can move away from Wolverine even possibly, at least making him a story centric figure because we've gotten so much attention yeah, on Wolverine. But no doubt, I mean, he's the most popular X Man though. You know, it's the second time in like 10 years that they're telling the Jean Grey Phoenix story and I have no confidence at all that they're going to get it right this time because they literally just introduced her in the last film and there's why do we have to why 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 is Jean Grey's story in the film so centered around her Phoenix elements why can't she be a character for a couple of films who has her own journey and then this thing you know, comes out and reveals itself. Because Fox is short-sighted. It's frustrating. Sorry? Fox is short-sighted. They are short-sighted. And they're they're not going to tell it the way it is in the comics yet again. We already know that based on Apocalypse. It's going to be... It it already looks similar to what they did with The Last Stand. You know what? In terms of... It's funny, though. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, But I want to say something based off what you just said that reminded me of what Phil said, too. I, the X-Men movies do interestingly rewrite things that actually make them better sometimes. Because I think that's one of the things I'm going to say about Logan is like Logan is so much better than old man Logan. Like so much better. Yeah, exactly. I don't think these things need to be strict adaptations of the source material because otherwise it's read the source material. No, but that that's not – comparing Logan to old man Logan is not the same because Logan is not an adaptation of old man Logan. It kind of it's is an though. Amalgam- it's not. It's an amalgamation of a lot of different Wolverine stories. Old man Logan and Logan have – the only thing that they have in common is that he's old and there aren't any other mutants. That's it. Everything else well, is And different. they're going on a road trip to deliver something. That's also the plot but of that, old man Logan. But, but that's that's also the plot of another Wolverine. Story. Well, sure, it's a generic that, plot. <laughs> that, but, the, but the plot of but the other the other story involves him taking the a, a child, the child of, of an ex lover of his, to a specific place 
at the behest of his ex-lover. So that that that's more in line with what they were trying to go for with Logan, except that that woman is not an ex-lover of his. It's also an amalgamation of the Weapon X storyline. It's also an amalgamation of the origin of X-23. So it's it's very much a lot of different things. But when you look at when you look at how they changed Phoenix or Jean Grey's character, garbage. When you look at how they changed uh Kitty Pride's character, garbage. Or not not yeah, well I mean she's not Rogue, even a character. Garbage. Like- she is though in the first uh, in the in X Men three she's in the movie Kitty Pryde. No, I know, but um, Pete's saying that she's not a character in the sense she doesn't have a character. Yeah, like she's not like Kitty Pryde is my like one of my favorite X Men, and she's not like she's not fleshed out at all in the movies at all. She has, but she but she's a big part of X Men three. Sure, and but they didn't do anything with. Ba- that's what and I'm saying. So, she's paper thin. Like right, the, so garbage. Yeah. Right, um, Colossus garbage. Like. So many of these characters, Storm, absolute trash. Apocalypse, oh, God, Halle garbage. Berry was so good. Just good casting. They wasted her. Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with yeah. that. Uh, so, so the point that, that I'm trying to casting. make is that... She's not a very good actress, dude. She's very attractive, but... I don't know. I thought she, I thought she did a good job of Storm. That's a conversation for another day. She did fine with what they gave her, but they gave her jack shit, unfortunately. Cyclops, garbage. So you look at all these characters, right? And the version that we got from Fox was shit. Beast, though. Shit. Kelsey Grammer's Beast was perfect. Beast was great. And you know why? Because they gave us the same Beast that everyone already knows from the comics. It's the same thing with Wolverine. It's And it's basically the same with Professor X and, and Magneto. When you think about Professor X... In general, if you ask anyone about Professor X, what are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you he's a wise old man who leads the X-Men. What did we get in the movies? Exactly that. Any fan from the 90s is going to tell you that's what Professor and X if is. If you ask anybody who Colossus was, they'd be like, oh, he's a big, strong Russian guy. And that's, I mean, that's what you got. He wasn't even Russian in the movie. It, well, it, he, <laughs> He's not even Russian. Does he talk? Yes. In, in X2, he talks. Does he? Yeah, at the beginning yes. of X2, the X-Men mansion gets attacked. And Wolverine goes and starts fucking icing all those guys. And, like, Colossus runs up to him. He's like, I got your back, man. And he's like, no, go save the kids. And then he just goes and kills a bunch of people. Oh, whatever. He got retconned to be Russian in Deadpool. (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) So I I won't continue my rant any longer because I want to move on. But uh, I'm, I'm very, very tired of the Fox narrative, despite the fact that Logan was fantastic and that we have had some good films. Um, I wish they would just stop. Like, I wish that, like, they would let Logan be an end and then, like, go away for a couple years and then fucking give us a relaunch. Well, they, they're talk- they're doing the X-Force movie and stuff. Like, just do that for a while. Yeah, that'd be cool. And also, uh, there are rumors kind of swirling around of, like, a, a, a show revolving around, like, the original team, I think. That'd be cool. I think Legion's supposed to be good. So. I've heard good things. I've heard very good things. Yeah. I have to check that out. So... What we're gonna do now is we're gonna we're gonna talk about Logan, and there's gonna be a spoiler-free sh- section. There's gonna be a spoilerific section. So we're gonna do the spoiler-free section first, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Marco and Phil have not seen the film, so you guys will be a part of it. You can ask questions or whatever you feel like doing. And then when we, when we move into the spoiler section, Phil and Marco will jump out of the jump out of the conversation, and Kale, Pete, and I will will drive that. So uh, starting off impressions on the film those of us that have seen it oh boy Spoiler what a free. film 
Um, I mean, I'll go first. Uh, spoiler-free reactions is, uh, I mean, I like the movie a lot. Um, I I tweeted about it right afterwards, and I said I, I think it's the best X-Men movie so far. Um, actually, I don't think I tweeted that. I think I said that after the fact. But either way, um, I do think it's the best X-Men movie so far. I think it was a, a brilliant send-off for, for Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. Um uh, the action is really good. It's it's a little long. I think the it's a little long in the teeth. I think they could have cut one of the big action sequences because uh, it does kind of... Well, I'll, I'll get into that in the spoiler-free section. Um, or in the spoiler section, excuse me. Um, but overall, I, I think it's fantastic, uh, really. Um, and it's something unique among superhero movies. Um, I think if you... You know, if you didn't have the baggage with Wolverine and everything of knowing who Wolverine is and who, who Wolverine is supposed to be. Um, I don't even know if you'd think of it as a superhero movie. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot like a Western in a lot of ways and um, a very kind of classic action movie. Um, so it's great. Yeah. For me, uh, as you were saying that Pete, it, it reminded me of the, like the first Captain America, you know, like the first wave of like the Marvel films, um, and how they were so like genre specific, I really felt like, uh, like had had they introduced Logan this way for Marvel, I think it would have fit in. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully they could have used a, a younger version of Logan, but um, uh, but yeah, I, I I loved it. I think it was amazing. Um, it didn't hit me. It didn't hit me super hard emotionally, uh, like I, reportedly, uh, our our pals at the long box uh, had had a good uh, a good cry afterward. Is what I is is the report on the street. Um, I definitely got but, I got pretty misty at the end. See, I for me like Logan Logan and like Wolverine have never been favorite characters of mine. Um, and I've, I've always thought the X-Men films have focused too hard on him. Um, that said, you know, none of that is to say that Hugh Jackman, you know, did a bad job, but he, that, that dude is Wolverine. Um, uh, so, you know, the stuff that happens is it didn't hit me as hard emotionally, but I'm really pumped that this narrative that fox has built for the past you know 15 years uh was sent off this way that's what i think is so special about it is like i my my fear is actually that this movie is so good that it's going to spawn a bunch of imitators who want to try to like make their own version of this their own r-rated superhero story like this and uh i just don't think they'll work because i really think what what makes this movie work as well as it does is that history of um, of growing with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and, and seeing him be this character for almost 20 years, you know, and, and like seeing that kind of come to a conclusion is a huge part of the meta narrative and like the emotional like takeaway that I think you're supposed to have from it. Um, so, yeah. I don't uh, know. So my impressions are that the film was phenomenal. I think it's the best X-Men film very, very easily. Uh, By a pretty wide margin. Any- yeah, I don't think anything they've done touches this at all. Like maybe X two, like maybe X two. Jeez, man, X two to me is like a far cry from how good this thing is. But I'm um, with you. 
<laughs> um, I also think that this is probably. I, I want to see it again before I before I say this definitively, but I think that this probably ranks within my top, maybe top five, uh, superhero movies ever. Uh, it's it's it, for me, it was that good. Yeah, um, see that. I think that's yeah, safe to say. I can see that. Uh, and they they what makes it work so well is that it does it does address the Fox narrative. It does address the 17 years of history in a way that feels very um, natural. It, it never feels forced uh, how they address the history. And, and, and if you've been watching along, you feel the weight of this because you know the character and you know what he's been through and you know what, what, you know, what has come before. And um, so I think that James Mangold was very respectful of what has happened with this character. And I think that he endeavored to make a film that could uh, operate as the last X-Men story ever, but also the spawning of something really new and beautiful uh, and a swan song for a character who has anchored a series that has been marred by some poor films and some poor choices. But he's been the... I don't want to say the best thing about these films because I don't think that's the case, but I think in, in many ways Wolverine's the reason why we even have these films. I think he's the I think you can't argue that he's the saving grace of them. You know, like I, I don't I don't think he's the best part. I don't think he's the best actor. But like yeah, man, I'm with you. Like I really do think in a lot of ways that Hugh Jackman as Wolverine has been a, a consistent anchor for this series and, and carried it in a lot of ways. So I, I, so many people wouldn't have cared about the X Men films if it wasn't for Wolverine, especially in the beginning when no one, you know, a lot of people didn't know who they were, but but people knew Wolverine because he had penetrated the culture, uh, from the '90s and been so relevant to people. And so to get this film that you know better than The Dark Knight Rises, in that it achieves what that movie was trying to achieve, which was here's the last Batman story, right? In many ways, The Dark Knight Rises was trying to be that. And I think that this movie succeeds where it, where, like, just on a, on a higher level. And that's, I love that movie. So that's high praise. <clears throat> um, the rated R element, and then I'll let Phil uh, ask his question. I think the rated R element was essential. I think getting a getting a Wolverine movie that is rated R made it feel more accurate. I've talked a lot about the accuracy of these films and how they felt very sterile. This movie has life. And it has life because the things that happen, the the death, the violence, the ultraviolence feels real. If it feels like this is what would happen if Wolverine really existed. It'd be bloody, it'd be gross, it'd be vicious, you'd want to look away. That's real life. I think even on a smaller level than that though, I think the the big thing for me that sold it was like the just because it's R-rated, you don't have to pull any punches. And I, there, there, I can't fully speak to that without spoiling elements of the plot. So we'll save that for the spoiler section. But I think um, in small ways, like uh, cursing, you know, like there's a lot of fucks in this movie. Um, and then in much larger ways that we'll talk about in the spoiler section, the R-rating is the reason that this story is able to be told in a way that works and makes sense. And to piggyback off that real fast, um, that adds to the realism, but it was also never gratuitous. Except for one instance, which I'll bring up in the spoiler section. It never felt like, oh, you're only doing this right now because you have an R rating. Right, I agree, I agree. Um, 
the one point I did make, I, I do think you could cut probably one of the action sequences. Like, I think there does hit a point where, like, there's a lot of kind of, like, we're going to go here, and then some trucks are going to come, and then I'm going to fight a bunch of guys. And it's like, maybe maybe it was a little bit like, okay, we really want to choreograph these scenes and let Hugh Jackman go balls deep on the Wolverine thing. And, like, I'm into that, but, you know, it's a little long. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think we'll – I probably know what scene you're referring to, so we'll talk about that a little more later. Phil, do you want to ask your question? I have several. First, how, how- – Make – form them – hang on. Form them in – the way that we can only give you yes or no responses. Oh, I like that. I like that. My questions aren't even... All right, is it better... Do you have an open-ended question formed? Yeah, like... All right, we'll start with that, and then... How does it compare to the Wolverine? The Wolverine doesn't compare. Yeah, way better. I think... Yeah, I don't think there's any comparison. I think James Mangold uh, was adhering to Fox's desires a lot with the Wolverine, uh, in the way that at some points it feels very authentic to the Wolverine character, but then at the end he's fighting a robot silver samurai. So, like, it definitely feels like a Wolverine movie, but then it also feels like a Fox movie. Logan feels like Fox said, hey, do whatever the hell you want to do, and we'll put it out. And what we got is a very purely Wolverine movie that nothing that they have done with this character can touch. I agree. And I think um, just to, like, take it to that specific comparison i like the wolverine fine um but i it's a movie that i went to go see once and i've never seen again and i have not even really thought about since like i very often forget that the wolverine ever happened because it was so just palatable you know like it's it's just good enough that's me with most superhero movies i see them yeah exactly um and that's very much what the wolverine was for me um so it's like it was it was fine but this movie was like it it was one of those movies that i knew was good because as i was watching it before we even hit the halfway point of the movie i was like i want to go see this again like i I, i'm ready to i want to see it again and try to drink in more of the easter eggs and some of the other things i didn't catch the first time um so yeah it's like the wolverine is at best in my mind like a seven out of ten and like this movie i think if not a 10 out of 10, it certainly flirts with it. Um, on the radio yesterday, they were like, like one of the reviews for the ad of the movie was, it's not just a superhero movie, it's a great movie. That that was a ad, that was a billing point for the movie. I mean, like, to me, it's like, it, it reminds me of very much, like, people talk about The Dark Knight in that way, and it, it reminds me of that, where it's like, it is, it is good it's good no matter what. It's good whether or not you like superheroes, and it's just a, it's a well made action movie. Yeah, I think I think like uh, you know uh, DC has the Dark Knight. I I sort of think uh, Marvel kind of has uh, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Um, I think uh, I think this will be uh, Fox's Dark Knight. Um, I th- I think this is. Uh, you know, a, a, a big memorable thing that you're going to see everywhere you turn around, you know, I, here in Yeah, and that's again, that's what like really is motivating my fear of not wanting to see imitators come out and do it poorly because that could start a wave of terrible fucking movies. But we'll see what happens. Well, and, and one thing, one thing uh, 
I like I don't know how they'll show this on TV because uh, they can't. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they'll butcher the film. Well, with Dark Knight and Winter Soldier, those are both PG thirteen movies. Do you think the rated R aspect is gonna hurt the accessibility of this film? Yes. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't Big show time. any of the action move, the action sequences on television. Well, I would never. Well. No, you know what? Maybe I don't you know. can. I don't know, man. You know what? Walking I would never Dead gets, let. Well, I think Walking Dead has pushed that envelope a lot. This is worse. It's pretty violent. You guys don't yeah, watch that show anymore. Like, you don't really know. I, what? I watched the walk. What? I'm, I'm current with the Walking Dead. You are? Yeah. Sean, what the fuck? I love the Walking Why Dead. Why don't we ever talk about it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, shit. I'm gonna bring it up next week then. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't. I. I, I would I agree maybe, that it's maybe worse, late. But not maybe late lot. night FX, but nah, you can't, dude. There, like, there's, there's claws going through people's heads, like, that's not. Yeah, but uh, like, I'm just saying, like, the beginning, the first uh, episode of the new season of Walking Dead, we watched somebody's head get bashed in with a baseball bat. I don't think it's that much different. I guess is what I'm saying. I, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, maybe put it in that late night cable time slot. Yeah, you can't put it on prime but... time television. That's for fucking sure. But yeah. yeah, I could see it being on like AMC or something like that, like after 10, that, you know, yeah. like late night yeah. cinema kind of vibes. Like that could work. All right. Next question. Um, how is Patrick Stewart? Amazing. Immaculate. Amazing. Yeah. Like, I hope so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you have a follow up, but yeah, no, uh, he was fantastic. I mean, I, I remember um, at the end of the Wolverine he has like his animanium ripped off one of his claws or something or something like that. This, Do you remember that? I don't. I don't think this movie actually takes place in the same universe as the films. Oh like, wait, his claws get cut off. That's not addressed. No. Here. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I really don't think this movie takes place in the same universe as the films. I really don't. Um, it definitely does because they they, yeah, they reference you, it. You can table that. We'll argument. talk about that in the spoiler. Yeah. 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 Okay. In yeah, also at the end of the Wolverine, uh, Patrick Stewart shows up with the the yellow Wolverine sure. helmet, and we we never see that. Well, he's old now, so. right? So yeah, well, and this like you know, Wolverine like the mantle of Wolverine is long dead. You know, at this point, uh, Marco, you have any questions? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm just gonna <laughs> wait. Right, yeah, it. Marco. Take your headphones out. We'll give you the thumbs up whenever we're done, and then you guys come back yeah. in. All right, so cool. gonna, I'm going to be doing stuff, so yeah. We're going to dive into the spoiler section now, so if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, definitely skip ahead or you know whatever you need to do. We don't want to spoil anyone uh, who hasn't seen it because it's one of those movies that you really need to experience for yourself. Oh, you know what? Really, so, really quick, though, before you click off, if you have, if you do, you know, whether or not you plan on rejoining us for the spoiler section after you've seen the movie, um, I do want to give a specific shout out to um, the actress who played X23, and I, I would really like to look up her name because we forgot to mention her, and she was fucking amazing. Like she was phenomenal in that role. Um, that was like the first. This is her acting debut, and that was her acting debut. Yeah, like I think she might have been in something, else, but like this was like her first thing, really. Daphne Keene is her name. Daphne Keene. Yeah. Daphne Keene is X23. She was a vision, man. Like, I think that is a career creating role. Like, she was so good. Like, she doesn't talk for fucking two thirds of the movie, and she still has amazing presence in every scene. 
and just like i don't know man i think she really captured that like berserker rage you know like when she would just like be like fucking gutturally screaming while she was like fucking stabbing people it was like wow like she she's something else so um okay that's all i wanted to yeah spoilers we're mo- starting now. spoiler section that's we're in. so okay, leave cool. come back after you've seen the movie otherwise we'll see you next week thanks for joining us love no, you bye wait. let's start from the very beginning which is the the deadpool teaser oh okay yeah oh yeah hey yeah. also deadpool came out this year why didn't that get the makeup nomination what the fuck there you go that's a great point on on ryan reynolds alone the makeup was better better than killer croc that's for sure so I was a little confused because initially I thought, wait a second, is Deadpool like is Deadpool in this movie? I know, like, yeah, what the hell is yeah, this yeah. shit? Right. So then, then like then it, it kind of became more obvious that this was just a gag, um, but of a hilarious gag at that. And I'll just break it down real quick, and then we'll talk about it. Where he witnesses someone being mugged, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta save this person." So he jumps into a phone booth and begins to put his Deadpool costume on. But it takes him an extremely long time. So long, in fact, that by the time he gets out of the booth, the person is already dead. And then he lays there and has a conversation with the dead body and grabs some type of food stuff and eats it. In costume, of course. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, like, it was just hilarious, man. I uh, I was talking about it off camera earlier. And um, I just... <laughs> uh, it reminds me a lot of, like, one of the Pixar interstitials. You know, like a little like goofy cartoon before the movie kind of thing um and i just like the the superman comparison was just so amazing like the imagery it was like it was a a total recreation of like um you know the original superman and uh even just down to the music like they literally had the superman theme playing like while he was in the booth and everything it was like it was just fucking hilarious you know and it went on it was one of those things where it went on a little too long and then became way funnier because it was still happening I don't know. It was just perfect. It was a nice play on the whole like post credit scene too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. You mentioned while we were talking about it earlier that it was a post credit scene, and I was like, I could not figure out what you were talking about. It's like, did I miss something? Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it for the guys, so I said it that way to try and not uh, not give it away. What I loved about it is that it's very obviously poking fun at. You know, Superman, the trope of him going into the phone booth and coming out in costume and how ridiculous that is, um, that he could even change that fast, no matter how fast he is, like Jesus. Um, but it it wouldn't have worked as a post credit scene. And so I'm glad that they they had the presence of mind to put it at the beginning instead of at the end. Uh, and I don't know that we needed it necessarily, but Deadpool is just so on everyone's mind right now. And he's kind of the the first character to begin this R-rated uh, Fox, you know, universe, if you will. And so to have him be involved on some level, I thought was smart. And there were a bunch of like uh, Easter eggs there, like on the phone booth that says Cable is coming. And there's, you know, there's like a whole bunch of stuff like that. So, you know, it was just a, a nice little gag for, you know, for the fans. And I think it worked. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was tasteful. You know, it was, it was a nice little way to start the show. Yeah. For sure. So then uh, we we dive into the movie and, you know, it's it's very much like from the beginning, it's like a whole new environment than we're used to from the X-Men films. A very um, sort of dystopian future kind of. The X-Men films tend to be very sterile, very like uh, very, 
I don't know, bright and and just uh, different than this. This starts in like a desert, right? I'd say it feels like um, a western. The whole thing feels yeah. like a fucking western. Yeah, absolutely. Even the way they um, portray Wolverine, you know, like it, he it very much has like a like John Wayne lone gunman kind of vibe, you know, like it's it's fucking it's something else, man. The aesthetic of this movie is really unique. Well, the first time you see him, uh, he 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 lifts his feet out of the trunk of his car. I believe he's in the trunk, and his his legs are all discombobulated, and he has to right them. You know, and we're so used to Wolverine being this virile, strong, you know, aggressive character, and here he is, old and you know, rickety and um, drunk, which is you know, Wolverine. Um, and we get this, you know, this fight scene where he kind of gets his ass kicked by regular people, you know, at least for the beginning of it. Uh, and it just shows you how how far the mighty have fallen, you know, how different of a Wolverine we're seeing here. And that set the tone for the rest of the movie, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I thought, like, the way that they had Hugh Jackman, like, prepare his body was really interesting, too. Because, like, he was muscly, but, like, not the way we've always seen him, where he's, like all bulked up and, like, you know, like, fit. Like, he looked like he had that, like, scrawny old man strength, you know? Like... Right. <laughs> he looked like fucking Clint Eastwood. Like, <laughs> Especially at the end. Like, I'd be real interested to hear how they did, especially, like, the, you know, just before the fight stuff, just before he, he dies. Um, because it's, like, he, like, dramatically, like, after taking the medicine or whatever like his body just dramatically shifts well uh from what i understand i know a thing that you can do like to have like a more like veiny like look and everything like that is to like work out like fucking crazy and not drink enough water so i think that's what he did for that specifically yeah i remember reading about that it's like something that they do to condition your body to look that way so uh from there, you know, kind of sh- jumping forward, we were introduced to Caliban and Professor X, and it's just such a different Professor X than what we're used to. I mean, it was really it tragic. Was, yeah. yeah, it was tragic. It was jarring. Uh, and 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 again, this version of this of a character who we're so familiar with just warped and fucked up, and it hurts. You know? Yeah, it hurts to and see hurt, him that yeah. way. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and it was really sad. Uh, looking at these characters who were so powerful. I mean, Professor X is the most powerful mutant ever, pretty much. Or at least the most powerful telepath. And here he is, you know, ranting and raving and, and yelling nursery rhymes, right? Like, it's just jarring. And like drugged up, you know, drugged into oblivion. At one point he did a Taco Bell commercial or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then during that that early scene uh pete that's where they reference the continuity thing so we can talk about that um where they re- professor x references the statue of liberty and what they're talking about is in the first film uh they fight magneto for the first time on the statue of liberty and wolverine says that was a long time ago but what specifically did he say he says um uh, i don't remember the exact line okay because because i i definitely felt that there were allusions to the movie but i i wasn't sure if we were supposed to think that this is definitely that same universe or if it's just like the analog of you know who the x-men are and like in this universe the x-men exist you know what i mean like 
I didn't know if it was supposed to explicitly be connecting us to that universe or not. I actually don't really I think wonder, it matters that much, but I I wondered if it was like the the uh the splinter from Days of Future Past. Oh, huh. Yeah, maybe. Um I like I you know, I I don't have any continuity knowledge for the these later X-Men to prove that or anything, but like, you know, he goes back to the the past and then comes back and we see, you know, Cyclops and Gene and and uh Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Um and yeah, so I that was just kind of my theory was that it's it's sort of the end of that continuity. Huh. Okay. I mean yeah, whatever. I, I also I also took it as like the end of the the like a version a potential end of the Fox sort of uh stories. Um and and you know, the way they've handled time and continuity, like this movie obviously isn't something that's going to happen in the mainline stories, right? Obviously. But I think it's a goodbye to that era. And now we're moving on to something else, right? Like, they're talking about we're going to move on from 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 Professor X and Magneto, and, you know, we'll, we don't know where Wolverine's going to be. So I definitely think that this is a goodbye to that, in a, in a way, very much like how they've done uh, Marvel comics have done stories like Spider-Man Reign or Daredevil End of Days, which right, are, like, yeah. the end Dark of this Dark future kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I uh, um, I did think it was interesting that they decided to make Professor X be the one who is responsible for killing all the X Men instead of Logan, um, as because that's the case in Old Man Logan. Uh, I didn't get that from from I know the conversation you're referencing the conversation that he has in bed with the the clone Wolverine, right? Well, no, and there's also a thing on the radio. Like it definitely it was him. Like, and that's um, definitely the implication. Um, um, when there's this in- was this, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, this was a point I, I got up and went to the bathroom because I knew it would be a slow, a slow thing. But uh, D- Caliban has a conversation with uh, the doctor, and the doctor mentions uh, that he's the most uh, powerful telepath in the world, and he had uh, uh, he started having seizures and getting Alzheimer's seventeen years ago. Uh, so yeah, that that was where I was basing that knowledge. Well, from. there's that, and then when they're in the car uh, at one, you know, there's the scene where X twenty three is unlocking and locking the door again and again. The radio's playing before before Log- like Logan turns off the radio, right? You remember that? If you listen to the newscast, they're talking about um, the Westchester incident, and they said like several humans. Uh, were killed or injured and the majority of the x-men and then like he turns it off so it's like uh, it's def- that's definitely the implication because then when when um charles is talking later and he says oh i remember i remember what happened like that's definitely what what he's fucking talking about okay yeah so i remember the the conversation he has later in bed i just i just didn't catch exactly what was being said uh, yeah i think it, unless you hear that I th- the radio contextualizes it for sure yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, that that's I think that's really smart. Like, I, I think that's a smart choice on the part of the storytellers to make him the one that kind of ends his own dream. Yeah, know, especially because it's it's like I don't know. It's a nice it's a nice sidestep. Like it like Logan doesn't have any guilt. You know, like he's just like broken. Like in in, in old man Logan, like he you know, he's like 
it's not his fault, but like he's the one that does it. You know, like he, he gets tricked by Mysterio and, and kills everybody. And like that haunts him in a way that it, it like it 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 doesn't seem like he has that same level of responsibility here. Like he's obviously haunted by the past, but it's a little different. And I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I thought I think that that was really smart too. Um, it's poetic too, like you said, like to see Charles be the the source of of killing the very people he tried to protect. You know. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk about probably the most impressive character in the film, uh, and that that would be X twenty three. From the moment she kind of appears on screen, I was captivated. Um, they chose to go with her as a child as opposed to you know like a teenager or whatever and i think that that was a really smart decision and her growth throughout the film her her whole character arc so well done so excellently done and the violence of her from that first scene uh where they're at the compound and she kills all those people just cuts that uh, guy's head off like oh my god (laughs) <laughs> it ruthless absolutely ruthless and seeing a child involved in that level of violence was kind of jarring actually you see it's funny man because my favorite film critic is this guy called movie bob and uh he made the comparison where it's like it's not like this is the first time we've seen this because like we had hit girl but what's cool about it is like there's not that same level of like ironic detachment that you have with hit girl you know or like comedy yeah. Yeah. like it's just yeah sincere like this is a child and she's massacring people yeah. Like for, and it's yeah, not for all, funny. For all intents and purposes, this is the world we're in right now, and this is what's happening. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, holy crap, man! Like I, uh, <laughs> I, I was like you said, captivated by her. I thought she was so so good. Like what a turn, you know? Like as an actress, man. Absolutely. And I, I really wasn't sure how they were going to tell her story. Um. You know, going into the film, and that's a credit to Fox for not spoiling shit through trailers. Oh, because yeah. Because those trailers don't tell you anything. Nope. Those like, Logan I, trailers were on point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fox so has actually always they, been a cut ahead, I think, in those. They don't do the whole, like, let's just summarize the plot. They try to give you something that's, like, a little unique, you know, and, like, leaves an impression on you. I would say over the last... Like since first class, like even Deadpool, true. like the Deadpool trailers don't really have. Yeah. They're they're not even. They don't usually have anything from the movie in them. They're just yeah. jokes. Yep. So, um, the way they went about telling her story and how they kind of told the story of why there are no more mutants, because I was questioning that too. Like, where are all the mutants? So, the way so Transigen is basically the whole Weapon X program sort of modified and and evolved. Yeah. To where they're they're you know creating mutants in a lab, um, and she's she happens to be one of those. And the way that the 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 people who are the workers there kind of help them escape, like I was uh, I was I was all in on that. I thought that that was brilliant, and I really it really connected me to her, and it connected me to the other kids that we see later who don't really have a whole lot of dialogue because yeah, yeah. you know that they've been through hell, right? You know, totally you see it. Also, I thought it was cool how they gave us little nods about who they were. Like, the leader of them was yeah. Victor. And it was like, oh, yeah. shit, that's really cool. Like, and it was like, you know, Definitely. it wasn't like this whole big thing. Like, this is Richter. It's just like, oh, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> he's Richter. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't need any more than that. I know who he is. And if you don't, you're like, okay, cool. He's 
he's the oldest he's dude, and he's taking care of the kids. Whatever. Yeah. You know? That was what I liked about uh, what I forget his name, the albino guy. What's his name? Caliban. They, I, the way they treated him was great too. Where I'm like, I know the X Men, I don't really recognize this guy, and but it was like, I don't really need to. Like, I know, I get it. Like, I get what he's here to achieve, and fine. He's like their boy from back in the day. He obviously has some allegiance to Charles, you know, or he wouldn't be there to help him out. And like, you know, he's he can track mutants. All right, cool. Well, at first when they when when I saw the trailer when they said he was going to be in the movie, I was like, why is Caliban involved in this? And then it didn't hit me until they said that he can track mutants. I was like, okay, <laughs> right. that's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a big deal. And the way they used him was absolutely perfect. I yeah, think. I thought so too. The way he like I, yeah. the way he went out too was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I really enjoy Stephen Merchant as an actor, and yeah, he yeah he really nailed that. I I don't know. I I think like the moments with him in in Wolverine in the beginning were really great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So let's let's talk about the action because there's a ton of action in this film. So the first, the, there's like five set pieces. You know, I think. real quick, can we talk about the 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 scene that you th- thought was too much because I would really like to start with the negative and end on the positive because overwhelmingly it was great. Okay, so I actually think I don't think it was too much, but I think you might have thought this. The scene where they're in the hotel and Wolverine and Professor X starts having a seizure and Wolverine has to is that the one that you were referencing it, you thought was extra? I didn't necessarily it wasn't like any one specific scene needed to be cut. It was like just a overall the movie is a little too long, I think. Um just a little. And I think like any one of those scenes could have been cut. And that one specifically, I think it just went on a little too long. Like like maybe Wolverine should have already been in the elevator when it started so we didn't have to watch him go through the whole fucking lobby. You know, like there were sure but, like, I thought that was an awesome scene. That was definitely really cool. But it was just more an issue of there. there's a pattern that starts to emerge in the movie where we go to a place, we look through something, or we look over a, a pass, or we have a magnifying glass or a telescope or whatever, and we see a bunch of fucking cars and trucks coming, and then they chase us, we get caught, we have to stop. Wolverine gets out, he gets shot a bunch, he fucking mutilates a bunch of dudes, they get back in the cars and they leave. And, like, cut one of those, you know? And, like, and not because any of them were bad, but overall the movie was, like, two and a half hours, right? Like, it was fucking long. And by the end of it, I was like, shit, we're still going here? All right, cool. Like, and I, I wasn't, like, ready. I wasn't, like, get me the fuck out of here or anything like that. But it was the kind of thing of, like, they probably could have cut one of those 15 minute segments you know and 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 saved us a little bit of just better pacing you know that's that's really my only criticism of the entire movie and it's a nitpicky one so i see what you mean but for me because it's the last time we're gonna see you know hugh in this role i was all in and they wanted to give him a swan it helps yeah it helps that all of those action scenes were well done i mean from the first to the last they're all phenomenal the one that Okay, so we'll save conversation about the last one for a little bit, but the scene where they stay at the home of the family that they help out, heart completely heartbreaking. Yeah. I and was that, devastated. That that for me, I think, was the line where I went, Okay, just come on. Like <laughs> um uh, a lot like I uh, in terms of like 
film violence, I, I sort of feel like I, I, I lean a little more conservatively. Uh, stuff like Deadpool and Logan don't generally, in terms of violence, don't generally appeal to me. Um, so there were, there were, a, yeah, there were a lot of moments, uh, in Logan where I was like, God, uh, but yeah, that especially, I was just like, man, come on, let somebody do something once without dying, like, and not even just, not even just dying, mind you, being gored or being blown to pieces or, yeah, like, fuck. That's the thing though, man, I, like, I'm with you. But like that had to happen because like the key, like the I, like the key theme of this movie is disappointment, you know, and like and and overall like and it's like the movie is so resolute in disappointing you and wanting you to walk out and not like in terms of quality or anything, but I mean like as a theme, you know, of like Charles is disappointed in Logan. Charles uh, Charles is disappointed that. The X-Men, the dream of the X-Men is dead or whatever. Logan is disappointed that the dream of the X-Men is dead. Laura is disappointed that she's never gotten to experience any kind of community or freedom. Like, and that's just like the whole, and then like that, that moment is like, oh, here's hope. This is like, like Logan, this is what a family looks like. This is what living looks like. Yeah, but not for me. And not for long. You know, and everybody, everybody I care about dies or everybody, something bad happens to everybody I care about, you know? And it's like, fuck, like that is the core theme of that fucking movie. And, and they, I think I, I actually agree with Kale in the sense that like, I, I don't like to see ultra violence. I, I like, I'm very much not interested in that, but I, and I knew going in that this was going to be a brutal movie. It was way more crazy than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. Um, and there, I cringed a lot, and I looked away a lot, oh, and man. I braced myself a lot. I'm so the opposite of you guys. I am like, and I don't, I don't like relish in hyperviolence, but well executed hyperviolence with either the right amount of irreverence or the right amount of heart. You know, like that this had um it speaks to me because it's it's realistic in some way like to your point sean this is what this is what the reality of wolverine fighting and killing people looks like you know so it's like yeah this is a, it's exactly what i wanted to see it's yeah, just that yeah like i know like that's just how i oh, am no, but i was but just it's, gonna it's, say yeah, like the yeah. thing for me was like in the moments where you guys were probably like cringing and looking away i was legit like i laughed a lot in that movie i was like oh like yes like oh like there's just so many like I can't believe it, it still had impact after a while. You know, like I, they still yeah, found yeah. ways to surprise me. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that that particular scene introduces us into the main physical villain of the film, which shocked me to my core because I didn't see it coming, and there were no spoilers in any of the trailers or anywhere online that I saw. Phil, take out your headphones. Was, He's talking on the okay, phone. Yeah. Just He's making not. sure. Uh, which was a. <laughs> It was X-24, which was a clone of Wolverine, but a younger, faster, stronger, uh, brutal clone of Wolverine, a super Wolverine. Yeah, and he was a monstrosity. When he stabbed Professor X while he was in bed, I, it felt like, I felt like I was watching someone in my family die. It was, it was that heartbreaking, and I, and I thought, wait a second, so... 
it's just a so it's just a, a person they imbued with adamantium claws. That's kind of lame, right? And then you they pan up and you see that it's it's Hugh Jackman. And I was like, holy shit! What the, what the hell is this? And of course, you you know you realize it's a clone. And once I realized it was a clone, I was like, okay, Wolverine's about to get his ass beat because he is old and he is dying, and this thing is not gonna you know play around. And then that whole scene, the way the rest of it unfolds, is just crazy. Um, yeah, I, I honestly had mixed feelings about that at first. I was like not into that idea because I think it it very much speaks to what my major problem is with a lot of superhero movies, which is just like making you fight a version of yourself that's kind of twisted, you know, or something like that. And that is very much a trope in Marvel stuff, but like it worked for me because it really reminded me of like Terminator, you know, like I, I had absolute uh, Terminator v Terminator vibes, you know, the like Arnold versus the fucking T was it the T 1000 or whatever, the evil one, um, especially in that first fight where they're like they they lock claws and they're and he's like pushing towards his face i was like oh my god this is such such terminator vibes right now and for me with terminator being my favorite movie ever it worked. Uh, yeah it worked huge but it also worked in the sense of like they they referenced a lot of suicide wolverine killing himself and that they were going to get a sun seeker which i interpreted to be like some type of rocket or ship that would go into the sun and him and professor x would kill themselves it was a boat. or or oh, the sun seeker was a boat yeah it was a boat remember he was talking about buying a boat in the beginning it was cuz they were they were it's a sun seeker is a kind of boat oh okay yeah. um and then and then he had the adamantium bullet where he was going to shoot himself so there was a lot of a lot of uh the story was based around him knowing he was going to die and us as viewers knowing that that was the only way it was going to end. And this is the last so, movie too. Like, right. And, and for that end to come at the hands of him, of himself, essentially, like to die looking at your own face as you, you know, as, as a clone of you kills yourself. I thought that was very uh, poetic. I thought it had a lot of um, storytelling value. Um, and there was a lot of meat to that, that I thought wouldn't have been present if it had just been, you know, uh, uh, Donald Pierce, or if it had been some other random mutant that they brought in. Yeah, that's the other thing too, right? Is like in this the way they set this up, like all the mutants are dead. So like, who who's gonna kill him? You know, like it's you know, who are they gonna pull yeah, out of the exactly. like? What do we want? Sabretooth? No, that would have been yeah, that would have been weird and stupid. Yeah, this felt thematically appropriate. Yeah, I agree. Otherwise, I would agree with you, Pete. Yeah, and like that's the thing is like I saw that and I was like ah crap. Then I was like oh no, never mind. This works really well. Also, um, the the moment that Logan has with Charles when, like, he's dying and he's, like, got the thing and he's, like, pushing on it and trying to, like, stop him from bleeding out. And he's like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, fuck. You know, like, there's just so – this movie's so heart-wrenching. It's so many times. And then, and then we'll, you know, we'll jump into the last segment of the film, you know, after the death of Professor X, uh, X-23, Laura, she kind of starts opening up. She starts speaking. Reveals that she can Spanish. You can fucking talk. (laughs) (laughs) And then she starts speaking English and it's even more like, holy shit. You know, you could have been speaking this whole time. I thought it was appropriate to hold off on her speaking. I thought it gave the the last bit of the film. It gave Wolverine something, someone to play off of. Whereas her visuals were working great. Her eyes, her facials were working great. In the first half of the film, once Professor X was out of the picture and Caliban was gone, uh, Wolverine needed someone to talk to. I also think I, so, I was way more impressed with her facial and physical acting 
you know, like that, like her not talking for two thirds of the movie was what made me so impressed with her. Yeah, I, I, go go ahead, Kale. I was just gonna say, uh, uh, and how much of uh, you know the first X Men, the very first time we see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, we don't see him talk a lot. Like he he only says one or two things up until he meets Rogue, um, which is the first what half hour of the movie. Like yeah, oh my god. So yeah, that's and and like I just put that together. So yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, so I I really loved how they kind of held off on that, and then how she kind of becomes his protector in some ways as he's you know passing out in the car she's like let me drive she takes him to the hospital i really enjoyed that that sort of role reversal uh that you you wouldn't get with most films and i love that they thought of that and that they included that and that she was capable you know she wasn't she she gets them to the to the to eden it's not even wolverine that gets her there so I really, I really love how they played on our expectations with this character. It gave us something that, for me, felt wholly unique. Well, um, and I think it also it did a really good job of of speaking to what my favorite thing about Wolverine is. Is like, I think this movie succeeded at giving us a look at what Wolverine is like on his own, like as when he doesn't have the X Men around, and then how his personality changes. Specifically when he seems to care about, like, a young girl. You know, like, Wolverine paired with, like, a young, like, child that he is, like, has to take care of are always, like, just so good. Like, his relationship with, like you said, like, Rogue or, like, you know, um, Kitty or, or, um, or Jubilee, you know, like, yeah, it's like, those are, those are always the best Wolverine stories, you know, is, you know, you see Wolverine as this animalistic you know like fucking just monster of a man and then like but his humanity is brought out by caring about someone and like need in someone needing him you know and like someone needing him to take care of them and that also like goes to the you know the nature of the uh the the wolf pack you know a lone wolf a lone wolf can't survive but you know in a pack they they do their best and and so that's why the portion where they they make it to Eden and he's you know ready to cut out and she's like where are you going and he's like listen people that I'm around who I care about they always get in trouble they die and then she's like well then I don't have anything to worry about when she said Jesus. that I uh, I was like oh, that's that when you knew me. that she was really his kid right it's like fuck yep. you dad like- <laughs> yep. that absolutely killed me and you know. We see the kids having fun. They cut they cut his uh, beard up and they make him look, you know, nice. I love that. It was so, you know, it was cute to see these kids who've been through such horrific things uh, still able to have fun and yeah. enjoy life. Well, I also, um, I and, loved and, how there was the one, the one little, the one chubby little kid who had the Wolverine yeah. doll. It was yeah. like, oh, that's so cool. Like, it's it's cool to see them in that world, you know, like in that kind of way where like the, the X-Men are, are like revered like they think of wolverine as this hero you know yeah and they, they even had the comic books uh, laura had the comic yeah. books that, that played uh, a pretty wolverine huge found. role in the plot yeah for sure and so so then you know we knew that 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 eden that kind of peace couldn't last forever of course the reavers uh make it to to that place and they end up having this last fight and it's just this desperate attempt to get across the border um and and get get to safety. It was and also that the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bud. 
the the way the last 20 minutes of the film played out i was on the edge of my seat the entire time and i'll be honest just like matt murphy i was crying my eyes out i didn't i wasn't like crying my eyes out but i got very emotional at the end of the movie um and the one thing to me though is like when they're all running away from the agents i was like man like, I thought you guys were taught to fight. Like, doesn't anybody, like, like turn around and fight, you guys? Like, <laughs> they're all just running. I was like, you guys got powers. Ice some of these motherfuckers. Speaking of which, that scene with the little girl, when he, like, he grabbed her by the throat, and she, like, oh, my God, just, like, uh, just shatters his arm. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I was talking about with, like, the r-ratedness but oh right that was the thing i wanted to talk about um so the big thing for me with the r rating that it earned was i thought it was amazing the story they told about professor x that's a thing you would never see in a pg-13 x-men movie you know the idea that professor x's brain has become this incredibly dangerous weapon because he has alzheimer's and he's having seizures like that's an r-rated storyline you know like and and the fact that he was the one that killed all the x-men you know like those are things that like would only be afforded because of the R rating. And as cool as it is to see Wolverine curse and cut people apart and for, you know, to hear Patrick Stewart tell Wolverine to go fuck himself kind of stuff, that's all fun and and, and well and good. But that is the stuff that I think is really important. Is like they didn't have to pull any punches, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with that. And I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, they went there. In every instance where it was like, there's a chance they might, you know, turn left and not go all the way, they stayed the course. Um, and I, I was really pleased with that. And, you know, a lot of that you get to see in the end where they're killing kids and, you know, all this violence involving children. Uh, Phil, that is very uh, disturbing. I don't even know if you can hear me, but he's doing some stuff on Skype that's freaking me out. Anyway, um, and then we get the final battle between Wolverine and his clone. And he's called Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and His name's X-24, guys. Yeah, X-24. <laughs> um, we knew Wolverine didn't stand a chance. You know, I, I knew that entire time that there was no way that Wolverine could, could come out on top. And I thought, for a moment, I thought, okay, they're going to have the kids kill it. You know, they're going to have the kids kill it and Wolverine will be okay, right? And then he's going to lead some new team of X-Men. That's, like, That's what I was kind of hoping. That- yeah. Yeah, I yeah, had that yeah. I had that same of thought. Yeah. Of like, okay, this is going to work out. And then he the X24 grabs Wolverine, stabs him and just impales him on that tree and it, and then you know from that moment forward I was I didn't see I couldn't see because I was there were tears in my eyes. Yeah, it was um, tough, man. But yeah, I was really kind of holding out hope that they would have that We'd get to see Wolverine like leading a new team of X-Men in Canada or whatever. But I'm really glad they didn't do that. I'm really glad they ended it the way they I, did. I, yeah, I, I really like as much as I wanted that too. I don't think it could have happened. Like, holy like, shit, man. Was... That last scene where she goes and turns the cross on its side. Yeah. I started crying when that happened. I was like, holy shit. Like, I love the X-Men. It's so important. <laughs> and, and, and as he's dying, she's like dad daddy like you know she's crying and he says he says so this is what it feels like oh that yeah yep and in the end in his like final moment he gets to feel true you know genuine pure love for his daughter 
and like he died at peace. And I'm so happy that they gave him that out. You know, they gave him that uh, opportunity to die in a way that he never lived, which was peacefully. So, uh, you know, yeah, phenomenal end to a phenomenal movie, in my opinion. And one that's going to resonate with me and that I'm going to be that's going to be on my mind for a long time. I think so, too. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so final final verdict. Give me a a letter grade for the film. I I want to see it again before I give it a solid A plus because I, I feel like I'm, I'm still high on it. So I'm inclined to probably sing its praises. Um, but I would say it's it is unquestionably no lower than an a grade film absolute must see if you haven't seen it and um i think clearly the best x-man movie um one of the best superhero movies of all time i will also go i'm prepared to go with an a plus uh normally when i see a movie i i'm picking out all the flaws you know the first time around um there were, I mean, there was nothing about this film that I could judge harshly. Uh, they they made the right choice every time there was a choice to make where it could have easily been bad, and they just went, you know, they went with their gut and they made a superhero film that I believe stands alongside all the greats, and that is a testament to what superhero films can be. If you if you tell a story that's true to the character, that's put, that's the thing for you know, me, right? Is I think it's it's a it's a almost like you know how like when a scientist puts forth a hypo- uh, hypothesis, you you need to have like other unrelated scientific teams prove the same thing before you take it as fact, right? I think this to me was like further proof of what we've seen Marvel do ever since Captain America two, which is showing that like. A superhero movie can be more than a superhero movie. It doesn't have to follow the quote-unquote superhero movie formula. A super, a, you can have a spy movie that stars a superhero. You can have, uh, you know, a a, a uh, what is it like um, a heist movie in like we had an Ant Man, and you can have a classic like sad western like we did with Logan. And hell, man, you know, I keep making that comparison. The movie makes that comparison too. If you'll recall, oh yeah, for sure. You know, like they, yeah, they sh- and then that's what that's the lines that they read at his funeral. You know, are like the the cl- it's from a classic western. You know, um, so yeah, I think uh, it's a it's a worthwhile addition to the genre and really I think pushed it forward in a way that we haven't seen before. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like I like I don't have anything negative to say, uh, but I feel like I took a lot less emotional impact um so i mean i'm gonna go an a plus but i'm gonna say like you know short of perfect just short of perfect like 4.8 out of 5 like you know there were some things that i think because i'm not so invested in wolverine in general i didn't feel as hard other than that i mean i just it was a great movie i had a great time um I I love the swan the just the swan song. Uh, I think this was how Hugh Jackman's Wolverine needed to go. Um, you know, uh, he uh, prof- uh, Professor X makes you know he makes a statement. You know, when I found you, you were a a cage fighter in you know uh, bat- the backwoods of Canada. Um, now you know now he's fighting 
uh, clones of himself in the desert of North Dakota, like, eh, not that much has changed. <laughs> you know, I I think uh, I yeah I think it was a good a good way for him to go. Absolutely. Um, and so, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's it's action packed. It's sad. It's funny. Um, I hope you didn't let us spoil of, the entire movie for you if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, that would but, that'd be a, a, a grave mistake. But um, it gives you everything that that a good movie should be able to give you. And um, you know, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think that's important so, to say too. Like, it gives you everything a good movie should give you. Not a good blockbuster. Not a good comic book movie. Like, it's just a good movie, and it it nails on a lot of levels. And it also is a great comic book movie. Absolutely. So and. So yeah, that, shout outs that wraps to, up to Mangold and company, man. They nailed it. Big time. Big time shout outs to, to James Mangold and big time shout outs to Fox for having the gumption to take a chance and make something like this. And also, you know, again, I know we've, we've said it a couple times over, but to, to Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart for sticking with these characters so long, I, I think especially Hugh Jackman because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, I think, was a, is a perfect Professor X, and I think it'll be a long time before I see anybody else as that character in the way I see him. But, like, you can't, you can't oversell how much effort it takes to be Wolverine. You know, how much, like, working out every single fucking day the way that he has to, and, like, maintaining your body, and, like, you know, the amount of like just like baggage that comes with that of like fanboys who are gonna bitch that you're too tall and like little kids stopping you every time you go out and Hugh Jackman like not only has like taken it in stride like seems to really relish in it you know he loves that character he loves the fans and I think he really over the years seems to have really like formed a kinship with with that character and like it's really cool that he got to send him off in this way I think it's really special how long he's been able to play this character, you know, and, and for two generations now that he's been Wolverine, you know, and like, that's, that's cool. And it's great that we got to see him really, really send it off in a way that was meaningful. And, and I think had a resonance. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be really interested to see what he does next. So shout out to Fox for making another great. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Did you did you do that on purpose? Yep. <laughs> so shout Sorry, out to boy. Fox for making another great X Men movie. Oh my god! And Phil is back with the garbage. <laughs> All right, spoilers uh, are over. Let's. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's wrap it up, part, boys. Yeah, this is the part where we end the show. Um, real quick before we do that, I do want to let you guys know all the ways you can connect with us and let us know what you think about this episode, about our review. Let us know what you thought about Logan. Um, or, you know, tell me how garbage Phil is. Uh, you can do that. You can do that uh, by reaching out to us on iTunes, leaving us a star rating and a comment. You can also hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Comics Pals. Uh, you can hit us up on YouTube, which is really important. The YouTube is a huge part of what we do, and we are back on track with that. If you've been looking for us on YouTube, we are back. Um, you can help us out by subscribing. You can subscribe, you can like the videos, uh, and you can share it with your friends. That's really the biggest thing you can do to help us out is share this podcast. If you enjoy what we do, let other people know about it and spread the word about your pals. Um, and you can write to us at comicspals at gmail.com. That's the comicspals at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys.
Um, we're also we're also on Google Play now officially. Yes, yes, we are on Google. I don't Play. know if you can rate us on Google Play, but if you can, go do that. I want to be a five star rated podcast all around the globe. Just find a way to rate us on Google Play. Do it. Figure it out. Comment uh, so on it and say five out of five stars. <laughs> let's let's do plugs. All right, Pete. cool. Um, so I usually start those, so I'm going to do that. Uh, if you guys want to get some more content from me, you can go check out my writing over at comic book resources. That's cbr.com where I write lists every week, um, for their list section. And, uh, I just did one, uh, this past week about, um, 15 other teams of Avengers. So talking about teams like the new Avengers, young Avengers. Um, so go check that out. Um, Wolverine's on a bunch of those teams, so go check it out. Um, help me pay the bills. If you want some, um, we mentioned earlier, you can go check out my video game content over at my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. That's YouTube.com slash Slack and Slash, Slack and Slash.com or Slack and Slash on, you know, anywhere social media is sold. And, uh, if you want more, you know, just talking with me or whatever like that, you come hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete and, uh, let me know what you thought of Logan. I'd love to talk to you about it. Cool. Okay. Uh, I have a small... Uh, publishing company with my friends from school. Uh, we are a company that is in the business of trying to help novice creators get into the business. Uh, so please look us up. We are Panels Publishing. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Panels Comics. Find us on uh, Twitter at Panels Comics with an X. We are on Comicsology, uh, and we do have a uh, selfie store where uh, all all of our content is. Uh, uh, place that's uh, selfie.com slash panels publishing. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Sean Soapbox. You can make fun of me for crying during Logan if you want to. You can uh, talk to me about wrestling. You can talk to me about pretty much anything and I'll have an opinion on it. So, uh, yeah, hit me up on there. Phil? All right, so first thing I want to do is plug my favorite movie, Ghost Rider, <laughs> and then... Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> fucking fired. <laughs> and then you can find me on all social media, Cyborg Bebop. I have a sweet picture of me as an astronaut right now. It is pretty epic. Marco. You can find me at Woe is Marco. <laughs> social media. <laughs> Very good. Very, very good. So that's why you turned off your webcam. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> and with that, we are the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, See guys. ya! Love We're you. Best we are what we do. And what we do is talk about comics. <laughs> yeah, <Yay! Yay! laughs> <laughs>